This is episode number 259 of the Live Life Aggressively Show. And this week we bring back a very fiery and dynamic guest and one guest that is truly one of our favorites. This week, Melia Kaplan of Voice for the Animals returns. As we discuss the impact that COVID-19 has had on the rise of animal abandonment, we also discuss the connection between the school-to-prison pipeline and animal abuse. Also, discover how Melia and local law enforcement came together and took a trip to Greece and how their trip brought two unlikely countries to band together in order to help fight animal abuse. And that starts right now on this week's Live Life Aggressively show. Let's go. Maneuvering through all this COVID stuff. Well, it's uh, it's quite a challenge. I mean, there's several challenges. Um, first of all, is a lot of people are dropping their animals off at the shelter, and they're usually older animals that have Ugh. been in their homes. But these people don't have money for vet bills. Right. So mm. we're trying to pull older animals. I mean, we're literally pulling them a few hours before they're supposed to be euthanized, which is a polite way of saying killed. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. a time when our donations are, you know, really far down. So it's been a real challenge. So we just pulled a cat a couple of days ago named Bobcat, who, uh, 10 years old, the sweetest cat you've ever seen. He's got uh, lymphoma of the intestines. And he was literally scheduled to be pulled at, put down at 4 o'clock. We got him at, that morning. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, that's what we're dealing with. But, um, I mean, there's other things that are, you know, still working. So thank goodness we're still in business. Well, you, you know, one thing I, I don't understand people that say I can't afford the vet bill, so I'm giving the animal up. That's not the reason why you're giving the animal up. The reason right. is you don't value that life. You don't care. That's if it right. were a kid, right. would you do that? If you're a kid, exactly. if you're out of money, you go, well, let's drop off the kids at the orphanage because we can't afford to pay their meals right now. Exactly. exactly. Or we can't do their yearly checkup. You exactly. Know. Exactly. <laughs> that's basically what it comes down to. For most animals, you're just doing one yearly checkup. You that's know, right. so how many are actually having to go to the vet like every month or something like that? Yep. So that's right. That's the excuse they give to the shelter. But that well, often not- animals are seen as accessories, and I say that because I, I go to the Nevada SPCA fairly often. I'm friends with a few people there, so whenever I'm in the neighborhood, I stop by. Mm-hmm. And I whenever when and I, and I always see people coming in and surrendering their animals, which. Oh. Using your using your line is a fancy way of saying giving up or getting rid of their animals or turning your back on your animals. That's but anyway, they're yeah. always so casual. That one lady came in and she had a looked like a pit bull mix and then maybe some kind of chihuahua. Was and both looked like nice dogs. And they asked her why she's relinquishing the dogs, and she said that she's downsizing. That was her. Oh God! Come on. Now Come I on. now I. I sat there going, you, I, you, you guys should feel fortunate that I don't work that desk job right there. I would, people would be writing Yelp reviews like, man, that guy's an asshole at Nevada SPCA. You know? I mean, like, what do you mean you want to give up this dog? You know? She's acting yeah, like she's going from a Bentley to a Honda. You know, it's like, come on. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really disgusting. And, and it's, I mean, it's part of the larger picture, of course, that we're in now with the COVID, which started um, from the live animal market. And it's yes. just crazy. We don't value other lives except our own. 
Well, we, we don't, don't, we we don't value our own. I'm about to say, we don't really value our own for the most part. That's, that's, that's the reason why COVID is wiping out so many people is because, especially here in the West, because not valuing our lives and our health, that's the reason why the majority of the folks that are you know, succumbing to COVID is because of underlying conditions, because we don't take care of ourselves. You look at these other countries, like why are they have such a successful rate and right. not that many deaths because they're act, they're active. They eat totally differently. They, right. they don't eat a bunch of crap. They don't have, right. they don't have a government protecting industries that create crap that calls itself food and That's puts right. it upon the masses, you know? So there, there's the exactly. big difference right there. So yeah, we have a hard time valuing our own lives here. That's absolutely right. I know in Greece where I go constantly cause I'm half Greek, uh, there's only 200 deaths in the whole country from COVID. Wow. Right. I mean, that's very, very low. And that's a and very healthy population. Yes, I mean, they are. That makes I think sense. Bermuda had four. I think they had four. And they were actually, it was actually, well, I don't even think it was the deaths. I think those are just the cases. And that came from actually visitors. That came from foreigners coming to visit Bermuda. Well, so. Well, I was going to say only, only 20 people live in Bermuda. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty high percent. They left that part out. <laughs> exactly. Only four and died. They probably, yeah, and they want to keep it that way. Yeah, they want to keep it that way. Like, oh, we, don't need, we don't need new sick people coming here, man. We're good. <laughs> but the thing is, is that the thing is, like, Melia, you brought up the wet markets, right? Let's, so let's talk about factory farming and the impact yes. that's having on the environment oh. and also how pretty much every virus that's been created, whether it's SARS or swine flu, is related right. to animal agriculture in some capacity. Absolutely. Now, how many people, though, are having the discussion of, okay, in order to prevent the next pandemic, we need to overhaul our agricultural system, to say the least. That's yeah. not even a discussion point. No. It's not even yeah. people are considering. I mean, no no right. one's going to the grocery store and saying, okay, maybe I shouldn't support Maybe I shouldn't buy this meat because it supports an environment that creates these kind of pandemics. Exactly. Going, no, no, that didn't happen. That's not the way it worked. Sorry, that, that's what you believe. You don't want to change your behavior. Exactly. Right. Exactly, Mark. That's exactly what it is. I would hope, I had hoped, I lost hope, that we would have a bigger discussion about veganism, considering what's going on. But that discussion, neither political party are addressing it. None of well, them. The, well, the biggest issue is, you know, the, the vegan population doesn't have a lobbyist. With, they, don't have, they don't have the money. We don't have a politician that we can buy right now. Every, all those other politicians are bought by the other industries that, that are not being mentioned in discussion. So at the end of the day, you know, people don't want to hear this, especially in this community. We have to buy us a politician. We need money and power. You know, that's what it comes down to because money talks and BS walks. It runs a marathon at that's the end right. of the day. And that's the only thing that works. The only thing they can hear is money. So if the money's not there, there's not even a discussion. You can scream all day long. You, they would say normally that the ones that scream the loudest are the ones that are heard. And that's the ones that the politicians pay attention to. But the thing is, whoever has the bigger, whoever pocketbooks are screaming the loudest is that who they're going to pay attention to. So that's exactly right. <laughs> I'll give you an example. This week through the uh, state legislature, we're trying to pass a bill called 1175, which is going to outlaw trophies coming mm -hmm. in to the state. While we have no impact on trophy hunting, unfortunately, because that happens in a country that we have no control over, but right. we can stop trophy hunting. And in that bill, we also put to ban the live animal markets. And, oh, my God, the pushback we got from several communities who use that live animal market. Wow. And they were furious. And, and I mean, at the risk of people getting angry at me, it was the Asian restaurant market that tried to stop that. Yeah. So I would just ask everybody, please go online, 1175. It's going to hit before the 31st of August. There's going to be a vote. Please, please put your input. Call your assembly member. 
tweet, do whatever you can, get this thing passed. We don't need to get sick more than we already are. I was just yeah. about to say, you know, unless you want to get something far worse than COVID, especially California, who got really hit with COVID. So, hey, if you like that, then yeah, don't you know, don't sign a petition. <laughs> don't 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 bother going there. You know, if you actually like being locked up and not you know having to wear a mask at the beach or something like that, then don't worry about it. <laughs> just exactly stay at home. Right. You're good. You're good. And, <laughs> you know. And the other part of it is, is trophy hunting, bringing elephant heads or tiger heads yeah. into this i mean exactly. that's insane yeah. Amy, we we did a huge we're about to send out a knee blast i don't know if you guys are on our list but you'll see it yes. in the war. Yep. we said we put together a whole fact sheet which talks about the number of people in this country there's over 80 percent who really want a ban on trophy hunting completely right they do not agree with bringing right. killing animals I, I don't know if you saw that guy aaron raby who recently killed that elephant? Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that. Right, I saw your right, post on right. that. Yeah. Oh my God, these people! He lives in Los Angeles. I can only hope he loses his job. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yes, like that, like that I, one yeah. dentist a couple years ago. You know, with the lion. Right. So never that. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. this this goes into my whole post about. I, I did. I, I I gave my take on toxic masculinity, right? Because we hear that term yeah. quite a bit, and I was able to cut. I mean, and I read many articles on it, and I go, okay. And it was mainly written by women, and some of these women, I went into it thinking these articles were going to be garbage, but a lot of these women made really good points, really good points. But the one point that they all missed, and I think everybody has missed for the most part, talking about this, is that that this is this is not a case of too much masculinity it's a case of depleted masculinity exactly. so people are overcompensating now a perfect example of someone overcompensating is a trophy hunter who has to go kill an elephant right. a peaceful animal in another country an, an endangered animal too because elephants are being wiped out that's right, right. And that's what makes him feel powerful. Like, look at me. I conquered this big beast. I, yeah, yeah, you're I not powerful. You're it's over like I conquered, yeah, I conquered one of the largest animals on the earth. Yeah, but you did it with a gun. You do it with your bare hands. I'd probably have more respect for you if you could do it with your hands. You know, but we know that wouldn't be possible. So, and then yeah. you, wouldn't even, you wouldn't even think twice about do, trying to conquer him if you had to use your own hands. Right. So. Yeah. And, and he shot the elephant at point blank range. And yeah. he shot the elephant in a way that the elephant would suffer. Uh, well, that's, well, that's what happens at this these, these canned hunting environments where that's it's right. essentially someone puts a leash on a on a lion and brings it out to a field where someone's standing with a gun to shoot. You know, that's, that's right. Hunt. And then the counter argument is always, OK, trophy hunting is good for, uh, you know, uh, oh, man, for the population. No, 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 you know, yeah, for, con, yeah, trophy con, hunting yeah, conservation is conservation and then helping the local community, which it doesn't because it's yeah. one person who makes a lot of money. That money does not go to the community. That's right. That's that right. Money, one corrupt person who takes that money and does whatever they want with it, or it gets siphoned by government officials. But you're out of your mind if you think that the local village or something is going to be benefiting from any of this behavior. And, and let's be honest, you know nobody's, doing it for that. That. nobody's doing it for that reason anyway. No, no, exactly, exactly. And we address that in our fact sheet that we're going to send out in a few hours, that it does not help the local people at all. In fact, if we really want to create jobs for indigenous people, let's look at ecotourism. Right. Let's look at ecotourism. Exactly. Let's look at arming locals, which is there's groups that are doing that, arming the locals to stop the poachers. That creates jobs. Exactly. Those are things that, that people are looking for. This doesn't help them in the least. It's also not conservation. Right. LA Times wrote a great article on that. How is how is killing an endangered species and putting their head on a wall conservation? Right. That's exactly. <laughs> They're obviously not overpopulating. Okay, they're endangered species. 
Okay, yeah. so then where's the logic in that? It's like so. saying it's like saying kids being kidnapped by human traffickers helps kids. That's right. 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 That's moronic saying that. It's like, oh, it helps other kids though. Well, what about the yeah. kids that your kid? Well, yeah, but the other kids benefit from it. Oh, okay. God. Yeah, that's that's just uh, the insanity. Just is unbelievable. And these are things that we address in this bill, and I'm hoping it gets through assembly before the 31st, and then it goes to the governor's desk. Right. Yeah, well, what makes it very so what makes it kind of hard? What makes it kind of hard with that though is the at the very top in DC you have an administration that supports trophy hunting. You know, from the president to his sons, all of that because hey, they participate in it. So maybe, maybe since you're in California and we know that Gavin Newsom is no fan of Trump, maybe he'll actually pass this because Trump likes it. Try, exactly. Since Trump likes the trophy hunt, then maybe Newsom <laughs> actually passes just to yeah. piss him off. So maybe yeah. that you have that going in your favor. Well, this I'm is, hoping so. It's the one time I can support Newsom on something for not liking Trump. Okay, yeah. in this situation. Yeah, I'm hoping that, and I'm hoping the fact that he sees the amount of people who are supporting it and understands these are his supporters also. Yeah, so right. he needs to pay attention to what this state wants. Yeah, that dude needs a win right now. That, that'll be a win for him because right now, he's got a lot of losses right now when it comes to California. Yeah, <laughs> all the stuff that's going on right now. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He really does. So that um, that's something we're working on. And, and um, do you want to hear other things we're working yeah, on? Please. Oh, yes. Okay, so here's a great thing. Last um, fall, uh, I was contacted by um, a Chinese film crew, Korean, sorry, Korean film crew. They came to Los Angeles to film a piece on me and uh, Commander Tim Nordquist of Wilshire Division because we've been putting working cats into police stations. And it was a great show um, because we get to see um, the working cats program. We save feral cats from the shelter that are about to be euthanized because they're not adoptable. They're not domestic. They're not cute little kitties that you can touch. And we put them into different places as rodent control. And you have to still feed them because they don't eat the rodents. And they just, it's the smell of the cats that the rodents leave. So right. we, put them, we put them into Wilshire Division, and we did a show on it. And what really fascinated me, because I invented this program about 20 years ago, and it's now used by 82 organizations around the country. And every year, thousands and thousands and thousands of cats who are about to be euthanized are saved because of the Working Cats program. And what really fascinated me when we interviewed uh, Tim Nordquist is he said something that I never thought of. And I thought I thought I thought of all the aspects and the positives of this program. I didn't. He said, you know, <laughs> when when um, police officers are really stressed and they want to have lunch or they want to relax and they sit at the picnic table and a cat comes over to them, it's very calming for them. Yeah. And he said, whenever I see a cat, it's very calming. It makes me feel like, okay, everything's going to be okay. And I never thought of that. And I yeah. thought, what a great thing to say. So now we're talking to LAPD about putting it every, in, to every police station. Because it is a humanizing factor. Right, right, right. When you have a cat in front of you, and that cat is rubbing up against you, and you're petting the cat, that brings everybody to a human level. Right. A level of compassion. That is important for all of us. Yeah. Yes. So this is this is something we're really excited about. It, it's funny as you're talking about that. It, it reminds me of one of the things I read in one of the articles on toxic masculinity. This is really funny. The lady said that some guys are afraid 
to show affection for a puppy because they think it's going to make them look <laughs> unmanly. Oh my they're god! Friends oh my god. I'm like, are you guys kidding me? Oh like, my I, see, god. I see a puppy. I'm going, hey, look at that puppy. I'm going to um, go yeah, pick that puppy up and have a good time. I'm not thinking about, uh oh, if I pet this puppy, oh. some of the guys around here are going to think that uh, my T levels are not as quite as high as they. I was like, man, if you're even thinking about, see, the real problem here is that you're you're even thinking like that. Yes. You're, you're, you're actually, something so inconsequential as petting a puppy, and then you're thinking, right. well, you know, I can't show too much affection for this puppy because I'm not going to look manly. It's like, well, just look, the dude. fact that you're thinking about it means you're already not manly, motherfucker. Exactly. Like, well, first of all, it's like, it's called, he's called man's best friend. Man's best friend. If anything, if you're trying to be all manly, you should probably get all the dogs right now. Just over, if you, if you want to overcompensate, you should be just like have a, a dog sanctuary. Like, yeah, okay, that's the thing. Exactly. <laughs> should have all the dogs, man. Come on. But, uh, the other one is, it's, yeah. if five people, let's say five guys go out and four of them order Guinness. Now the fifth guy feels like he has to order Guinness from his point of view. Yes. And uh, the, the problem here is that you think that way, you know, right. because right. I don't even think – like right. when I go order a meal, I'm not waiting for other people to order and then use that right. as a barometer of what I should order. I'm going to order what I want to order. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why I was so happy to hear that kind of reaction from LAPD. Right. That's cool. That's, that's a big cool. That's a big deal. Yeah, it and, is. Yeah. The other thing that I've been working on, and I think, Mike, you know this, that I've been training cops in, in Greece and Cyprus. Right, right. And uh, we trained 700, and then we did a follow-up training. And it was amazing because I was in Greece last November. Of course, I can't go now because of COVID. They yeah. won't let anybody in this country in, but I'll go next year. And the amazing thing is I was contacted by an officer in, Greece, in Crete uh, named Chrysakis, great guy. And he and I talked, and he told me that he had been part of the original training when we trained the first time, and I believe he was part of the second training. He was so impressed with the whole idea of how – one could prevent animal abuse and the relationship between animal abuse and the cycle of violence that he actually wrote a book, obviously in Greek, called Animal Abuse in Greece and the Greek Law. He self-published and sent it to every police station in Greece. And I was just blown away that he would take that kind of initiative. Yeah, that's a lot of initiative. It really is. And he and I are planning to uh, meet the next time in, I'm in Greece because we just talked by phone because I didn't have time to go to Crete because I was on my way to Cyprus. And we're going to put together another training. So we keep doing these follow up trainings. But yeah. it's really important that police are trained in animal abuse. Super right. important. Right. That is just a linchpin to so many other things. And it's really hitting the people's radar. It's hitting people's radar in this country slowly, and it definitely hit people's radar in Greece and in Cyprus. So I was yeah. really, really, really happy to see that. The excitement was just overwhelming from the officers. In fact, at one point, um, I was the first speaker, and at the end of the whole thing, because I brought two LAPD officers with me to Greece, and it was really nice. I have to give a shout-out to Charlie Beck. Because I just asked Chief Beck, can I bring two officers? And he never even asked me for a contract. He said, sure, who do you want? And I just <laughs> took him with me. I put him on a plane. I said, guys, wear your uniforms, no guns. You can't bring guns into Greece. They were cool. 
and they had so much attention in Greece. People were asking for selfies with them. They wanted, they wanted their autographs. These guys, these guys never wanted to leave. You know? They didn't. They, they were like, they were treated like royalty. I mean, we were put up at the Hilton Hotel. I've never stayed in the Hilton Hotel. I mean, that we were wined and dined, and oh my God, it was just incredible. So after the first day, the first pre- the initial presentation in which LAPD officers um, spoke about the cycle of violence. At the end, we were going to ask the questions, and I said to the panel, I said, look. I don't know how this is going to go over. I've lived in Greece. I know Greeks. I speak Greek, but I don't know how this is going to go over. If you have no questions, call on me. I'll jump up and ask a million. I couldn't even get my arm in the <laughs> It was like 700 questions, firing questions at them. It was so wonderful to see that kind of enthusiasm and the kind of questions. And then the Facebook posts and the articles afterwards, it, w- it really lit a fire. And of course, our goal is to train every officer, police officer in the world, in every police, in every police department in every country in the world. I just think that would make such a difference in the way we treat each other. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yep. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but that's the goal. <laughs> so I started yeah. with one country and we're building the next country. I'm uh, working with is Cyprus. Okay. And one of the things we're doing in Cyprus, which uh, we just started last year, and I'm very excited about it. I don't know if you guys know anything about Cyprus, but it's a divided island. Half of it is Greek, half of it is Turkish. And of course, there has not been the best relationship between the two sides. There's been a lot of anonymity. So um, I was up on, I I went with some friends to the border, what's called the occupied zone. I can't come in because I still carry an American passport. They could go back and forth because they're Greeks. But I saw the barricade. I saw the officers with guns. And we started talking. There's a like a demilitarized zone between the occupied area and uh, Cyprus. There's a a, like an area where anybody can go. And I thought, wait a minute, why don't we go in and meet with Greeks and meet with Turks and let's see if we can work on some animal issues on both sides of the borders. And that's what our goal is, to bring the Turks and the Greeks together so we can work together on something positive for the animals. And that's our next step in Cyprus. This is a totally random question, but what, what's the food quality like in Greece? Do you notice a big difference? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't that's what I always that. hear. That's what I always hear about Greece. You've got to go. Everything you like, it, it's so much more vibrant there. It's so much more fresh. Oh, it, number one, it's fresh. Number two, the amount of vegan options is out the roof because Greek mm. food is basically vegan. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the cooking right. is phenomenal. I'm I'm. I like never find food in this country like that. And and the freshness is unbelievable. And of course, because they are part of the EU, the EU has certain restrictions about food. And right. those restrictions are for our health. Right. And it's fantastic. It tastes different. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. And it's prepared differently. And and the whole concept of food in Greece is so different than here. I mean, they have now a couple of fast food restaurants, which are completely disgusting. But for the most part, <laughs> they don't. They have small restaurants, small tavernas, where ho- people own the taverna. They cook, and the, and the restaurant, too. They cook. They're there all the time. They meet the people. People take time with their meals. It's an enjoyable thing. It's a social thing. It's yeah. something you do with friends. You don't you know, hide in the back room and do it or slam food in your car. Right. It's something that is a social thing that people like to do together. 
Well, it's I such like a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. I mean, during this whole pandemic, no one's going anywhere, right? And a bunch of us who yeah. meet up at the dog park, <clears throat> once the restaurant started opening, I organized. I had like, hey, let's all get together for a group dinner. It's about eight or oh, nine people. And that was the first time any of us have had a group dinner in months. Oh, and everyone enjoyed it so much because you forgot how much you enjoyed doing things like that. Right. Right. Exactly. exactly. So eating is not a just a, where I'm going is this. I mean, food is so much more than just eating it. It's exactly. it's an experience that you should enjoy with other people as much as possible. Absolutely. And and we have a tradition in Greece that, especially in the tavernas, that after you eat, especially the evening meal, people bring instruments and we sing oh, yeah. and we play instruments and we dance. Because well, as long as, a, as long as they bring weed too, I'll be down. For <laughs> Unfortunately, that is illegal in Greece. It doesn't mean people don't that's smoke. Okay. I'll, dr- I'll drink the wine out there. You know what? I'm in Greece. Sorry. Right. Oh, the wine is fantastic because they make it there. Yeah, well, I'm sure it is. I'll, I'll, just, so I'll just have the coffee. Good. I'll take the coffee, the Greek coffee, man. Oh, <laughs> the coffee is good. Oh, my gosh. Too. What a little card of a minute. Yes. Yeah, it's just so much fun because after right. you eat, and it is homogenous culture, so we know, you know, we all know the same dances, the same music, the same songs. So everybody in the restaurant who never knew each other, everybody's singing the same songs and dancing together, and you've never met this person. And all of a sudden, you're having this wonderful experience with them. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, those are the kind of things that I think make digestion easier. Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. It does. And it's, it's real. And the other thing I really like, I, I, because I've lived in Greece many, many, many years, and nobody used to put their animals on leashes, spay, neuter, forget. Now you go to Greece, people have their dogs on leashes. People do spay and neuter. It's really nice to see change in that positive direction. Yeah. And the other thing that blew my mind, not this last time, but in, nine, in 2018 when I was there, um, the amount of vegan restaurants, there were like, I don't know, it more than quadrupled. It wow. was like there were 10 vegan restaurants within two blocks of my hotel. Wow. There are so many vegan restaurants, and the Greeks are absolutely crowding them. They love them. I think Europe in general is seeing a big growth in vegan restaurants because yes. I was in London last year, and London's always had a lot of vegan restaurants, but now it seems as if there's one on every corner. You're driving yes. around. Spain, Barcelona as well, there were a few, and now there's several. Yep. So, I mean, Scotland, I went to Scotland in 2011, and it, finding vegan options was easy. You go to any restaurant, they had a lot of stuff, but then they had vegan restaurants as well. So Europe, Europe has always been a little bit ahead when it comes to yep. cuisine. Yep. Uh, part of it have. in the UK is that they're so heavily influenced by Indian cuisine. I mean, if you go to a pub out there, they have samosas the way we would have French fries out here. Wow. That's my, my type of pub right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'd be going to pubs more often. Oh, man. Samosas. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, dude, are you going to order a drink? I'm like, no, nah, I'm good, man. Samosas <laughs> yeah, in, in Greece, uh, when people go to bars or drink, there's always what we call meze, which is food. You yep. never drink without eating. Yep. And that, and of course, therefore, alcoholism is practically non-existent in Greece um, because people do it as a social thing right. and they do it with, with food. So you don't find the kind of level of alcoholism that we find in this country. Yeah. But I'm, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing in Europe. Uh, yep. with the attitude towards uh, animals. And I'm encouraged here, too, because when I first started in the animal rights movement, um, 
oh my God, the amount of animals that were being killed in the shelter were crazy. I mean, if you just look in L.A., um, I think it was like 150,000 a year. Well, I think, you know, we have a great director of Los Angeles Animal Services, Brenda Barnett. I want to give a shout out to her because she's fantastic. And she has brought the euthanasia rate way, 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 way down. She's working with all the groups, bringing them together. She's doing programs that are so innovative. It's just wonderful to see that. And I'm, I'm really hopeful that people, at least with their pets, are beginning to get more understanding of what they need. Now, I hope with the food animals, they get the same. I know right now I've been reading that some of the um, meat packing industries are having a lot of problems with the COVID. And I would think that would put a big red flag on people's minds that maybe those are not things we should be eating. Right. Uh, But I'm, I'm not sure the amount of we're habituated to eat animals. We're, it's like an addiction. I know because I didn't, I mean, I didn't grow up as a vegan. I was a professional ballet dancer and I was told again and again, if you don't eat steak, if you don't eat this, if you don't eat this animal, you'll never dance. So I ate. I ate all those animals until one day I met someone who was a vegan and I went, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) Great. This guy looks fabulous. This guy is strong. This guy is smart. What am I doing? And then one day I quit. That was it. And I just, I couldn't, I, I, I mean, of course, so many of us, and myself included, when I was not a vegan, I divorced how the animal was killed and got to my plate right. me eating it. It's just crazy. And in fact, when I was teaching one of my students, she made a very good point. She said, you know, now, yeah, I think what we should have in stores, instead of those plastic things where there's parts of animals and we don't see, have the whole animal. Have yeah. a picture of the whole animal. Have a video of how the animal is killed. Right. So, you know, yeah. show that and see how many people buy. You'd be surprised someone would see that and say, oh, my God, that's cruel to show that. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. right. like you're so wrong. Like, you're traumatizing my child. My child shouldn't have to see that thing. Yep. Right. That's exactly what would happen. That's exactly <laughs> what would happen. People would focus on that. Oh no, God. so true. I always say, look. If, if a parent wanted to take his or her kid to a, a strawberry orchard, you're going to do it without hesitation. But imagine if you could get a tour of a factory farm. No, it's Slaughter, not a slaughterhouse. You know. Like, no, I don't want my kids to see that. I was, I was like, okay, okay, if you don't want your kids to see that, then why are you supporting it? Exactly, exactly. Well, I think it was Paul McCartney who said if all slaughterhouses had glass um, walls, we wouldn't be eating meat. Yeah. Some people would. Some oh, people yeah. care less. I mean, now, they're, they're like the, the trophy bottom. hunters, you know, they'll they'll probably get into that. They they'd have like a sick fetish with that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But but, but a lot of people would. I mean, I would say more people would be bothered by that than not. No doubt yes. about it. No yes. doubt about it. Here's here's an interesting question, Melly. I want to bring this up while it's on my mind. There's there's a girl on on Instagram. She calls herself Vegan Batgirl. Oh, you're um, a Vegan Batgirl. Yeah. See, it's talking she, about you know getting a lobbyist. Yeah, yeah she's, a, she's a lobbyist type person, exactly. So, but what she makes up, she made a really good point. She said that veganism is great, all of us not eating animals, but the problem is, is that the animal agriculture industry is so heavily subsidized That's right. that animals are killed even if their meat never makes it to market. They're basically yeah. killed, they're basically paid to kill X amount of animals, whether there's a demand or not. That's right. So, so even if a lot of us are not eating that stuff, they're still making a surplus. 
and getting mm-hmm. paid to do that. So that's the problem right there as well. And that's why you have to look at these kind of laws and hit them over, hit them down hard because otherwise our actions are not enough. I mean, they can be over time, but if we want to speed up that process now, we have to look at some realities. And that's the other thing people need to think about too when they think, oh, well, meat is so cheap. I was like, it's so cheap because it's so heavily subsidized. It's like it's any other supply and demand. This is like, come on, you have an excess of something, of course, it's going to price it down. It's going to cost average it down. Food is so expensive. I go, what vegan food? Beans are expensive. Rice is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, have you been to any country other than the United States or Canada? It's like, exactly. come on. This is how most know, people live every day. You right. know, the, the meat industry is subsidized, um, from what I remember, and it's probably more now, $35 a pound is what the government subsidizes the meat industry, which is insane. I mean, that's not where our money should I'll be going. What, I'll tell you what. Since this is a political year, this is what you let most meat eaters know. Hey, you do realize that the government's subsidizing these meat industries. You know that's socialism, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, every time you take a bite of steak, you're supporting socialism. No. That's now, That's now watch how things turn around. Like you're a socialist, man. Every time, every time you go out to that churrascaria, you know that's like a that's like a convention for socialists. That's you know? hilarious. <laughs> so there you go. That's so true. That's so true. And I don't think it's not advertised anywhere. The actual number. That the United States government is subsidizing the meat industry. Well, of course not. <laughs> not at all. They, they wouldn't do that because now then some people, especially right now, with everybody getting hit so hard economically, when they see yeah. how much is being wasted on this, especially when you've got these you got these meat packing places that have been pretty much shut down for the most part, yet yeah. the money hasn't been shut down. So right. your, your taxes are still going to these agencies, you know, the FD, you know, to the, you know, the USDA and all these other places or whatever. And yet the money's not being used in these places that are shut down. So right. with the money that you don't even have anymore, but yet you still got to pay it. Even when you get your stimulus check, it's like, that's still, that's just kind of like furloughing what you're going to have to pay for that wasn't working when you weren't working. Now, how does that make you feel? And so yeah. no one puts it in perspective like that. Especially, you know, big in mainstream media where, which is what mostly everybody's watching to get information on the situation that's going on right now. That would change a lot of things. When you start talking about people hitting people in their pockets, that's when they start making changes. Yep. You gotta hit them in their pockets. The other thing is when we're feeding people who need food, why are we feeding them animal products? (laughs) Right. When if we feed them vegan meals, which A is healthier and will help them, and B is less expensive, which means that money can go farther and feed more people. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, it puts them in another subsidized bracket. So now they get yeah. moved over to the pharmaceutical area now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, now, right. so okay. you're just basically moving one commodity over to another. <laughs> you're just trading. You're trading a bond for a stock now. And, you know, that's, that's all you're doing. You're, you're keeping yeah. the money. You keep it that's circulating. A good point. Pharmaceutical right. companies have to keep people unhealthy to keep yeah. their profits on the rise. Because if there's an epidemic of health, God forbid. <laughs> They're, they're going, going to be, out of business. They're, they're, yeah, they're going to go out of business or they're going to lose way more profit than they're willing to accept. That's right. That's right. I, it's just, I mean, the whole pharmaceutical thing is just horrific. And, and the fact that we don't have uh, socialized medicine or whatever we want to call it. In Greece, if, if uh, you step foot on Greek soil and something happens to you and you need medical care, it's free. It's free. You go into a hospital. You go anywhere. A friend of mine who was from Holland. And she was staying with me in Athens. She had to have an appendix uh, removed. Cost her five dollars. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like all of that. My my only pushback, my only pushback on this is this. My only pushback on socialized medicine is this. America is such an unhealthy population. I was about to say, let's have socialized we, health. Yeah, why should we have a socialized health initiative? 
where you're benefiting, the, the healthier you are, you get more incentives. So right. there's no incentive right. to be healthy here. That's you know, it, it's, it's look at this thing that's right. by the that's only that can only be afforded by the elite people. And when I say elite, not just necessarily people who are like the super super rich, but people who actually have who are rich in time. You're like, oh, you know, these people have time to go and you know go and take vacations, and they have time to go and be healthy and take walks and work out and da da da. But these other people who are in lesser incomes, they have to work. And they have to work, and they're so tired by the time they get back, and they're so they're so malnourished because of what they can afford to eat that they can't even think about this. So why not make it like I said? Let's do let's incentivize health instead of trying to make it seem like this glorious thing. Go treat it like a Rolls Royce that you know you can see you can aspire to in your in your dreams, but you can't do with a reality. Yep. So that that's the biggest thing. That would be great if if we could find a way to incentivize uh, health. That would be unbelievable, because one of the things I keep hearing is that the COVID is attacking, as you said, sincere about it's attacking people with underlying conditions. It's also attacking people right. who are obese. And oh, yeah. oh my 100%. God, yeah, exactly. Big problem. in this. So country, think about that. City. You've got six over 60, 66, 63, anywhere between just say two thirds of the population is overweight and obese. Oh. So that means that means at least. Two thirds of this country is a, is suspect to get COVID and not make it. That's okay, right. at that point. Now put that in perspective. People love these numbers during this whole situation. Put that number in perspective. Two thirds of this country is at risk of dying. That's right. From just you know just because of their lifestyle, not because right. of COVID, because of their lifestyle. COVID right. just comes in and just like, hey, if you're sitting there, you're leaning on the edge of a cliff. COVID just comes in and gives you a nice little disco hip bump. Yeah. You're like, That's hey, right. see you later. <laughs> you know? That's right. <laughs> And it's so. children, too. There's so many obese children. Yeah. And they're born obese. It's not like they actually, a lot of children, not even, they're not even, like, spending their life getting obese. They're coming out, they're starting off with, like, a, a crappy deal right off yeah. the bat. They're already yeah. having type 2 diabetes because they got it in the womb because yep. of the carrier. I wouldn't even say the parent, the carrier. You know, so you got to treat this because this is a disease, so you got to actually address everything by the label than what it really is. If it's yep. a disease and you're passing on a disease, you're nothing but a carrier. You're not right. a parent. At that point. Okay. So you're a and, and then they end up with Big Farm, who says, well, we'll cure your type 2 diabetes. But if you go to Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and you take a look at cures for type 2 diabetes, there are cures that are diet related. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And it's so much easier, less expensive, and God knows, sure more certain that you will be cured and not. Yeah, I mean, di diabetes, type 2 diabetes is 100% avoidable. Yes. If people are willing to make the right lifestyle choices, 100% avoidable. Yes. You may have a higher proclivity to have it, you may, but if you don't keep things in check, but you just need to keep things in check. We all right. get our genetic card. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. 50, with anything genetic, 50% you can do something about, probably even higher than that, but definitely that right. much. So 50% is right. a lot. So if you have elevated blood glucose just naturally, just from your genetic card, maybe elevated blood pressure too. Mm -hmm. But the right lifestyle, you can – Keep those things in check easily. My 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 mother had high blood pressure, and I inherited that from her. I don't have high blood pressure though because I do all the right things. My diet right. and my exercise is good, and so forth. Now, if I didn't do all those things, I probably would have high blood pressure. But but that's because of the lifestyle that I'm choosing, in addition right. to the genetic factor. But it's more the lifestyle. The lifestyle Absolutely. makes a huge difference. But people have this real fatalistic attitude when it comes to health issues. They think, oh, my mother had cancer, so I'll probably get it, or my dad had Parkinson's, so I'm probably going to get it. Yep. it it's, such a, it's such a self defeating way to look at things. Once you look at what you can do, exactly. To take exactly. charge of your health. Exactly, exactly. And 
the other part of it is a lot of people think, I'll just keep eating what I'm eating and I'll run to the doctor and get something to cure this. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work that way. Good luck way, with that. <laughs> Good luck with that. How's yeah, that been working out for the last few decades for people, you know? Well, I'll tell you a funny story about that. One of my brother's friends, he had super high cholesterol levels, so his doctor gave him some options. He goes, okay, you need to modify your diet. This is actually a doctor who actually talked about diet. He goes, yeah. here's some diet recommendations. Or... I can give you a script for Lipitor, and you just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Guess what he did? He oh no! Give me, give me oh. Now, 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 now he's going to have to come back. He's going to have to come back for Viagra, though, because Lipitor destroys your sex drive. Oh! You know, stats kill your your testosterone levels. So now yeah. he's going to have no sex drive and function. So he's going to have to come back. He's probably going to have to get on TRT now to get his testosterone levels back up. Then he's going to have to get on Viagra so he can have an erection. And then here's how the vicious cycle starts. It starts well, with that, that escalated quickly and expensively. No, no, yes. no, one ever, no, no one ever just takes one medication. No, it's always a cocktail. It's additional That's ones right. with side effects of that one. And then the other ones have side effects, too. So now you got to take that, That's and it just right. goes on and on and on. It's unbelievable. And people would rather go that route than change their diet. People would rather and have open heart surgery than change their diet. Uh, yes. That's, That's how right. sick people are. They'd rather have quadruple open heart surgery than well, change I their mean, diet. Look, the indoctrination is real here, people. It's like when that's when these options are the things that are shown to you everywhere you go. When you're watching TV, which which is a, a big campaign, you know, to turn your TV off, but every other commercial is one of these drugs and it has these long list of symptoms yeah. and, and side effects. But it's shown as the only alternative you have if you actually have that situation. So you kind of you got to sit there like, well, it's like, <clears throat> do I take a chance and deal with these side effects, or I can just keep keep having this? And, and hopefully it'll go away by me taking this drug because obviously I have no other choice because every five minutes I'm see, I'm being told I don't have a choice. That's the mental programming. You know, you open up a magazine, there's the ad. You know, that's I guess that's one more case for magazines to go away. You know, you t- like I said, you turn on your TV, turn on your radio. Everywhere you look, you're going to see it if you're sitting somewhere looking at something instead of just out, out about being active. When you're active, you don't care about any of this stuff. You don't have time to think about this stuff. If you actually, when I'm, I'm not talking about active and being active. I'm not just talking about physical activity like training or exercising. But even if you're out building something like a business or you're actually interacting with people, you don't have time to deal with these these psychological indoctrination machines that are going on. And therefore, you you don't even look at these things as alternatives. You think of that stuff as silly when you see like, oh, what the hell is that? Oh wow, who who actually does that? I, I could never do that because you're not doing that. So, like I said, they, they're getting everyone at every corner, you know, whether they're on their, their social media, the ads are popping up because guess what? The algorithms know that you're unhealthy. They hear you talking. So guess what? Guess, guess what ads pop up from Google, you know, any of those Google ads or whatever. It's going to be all this crap, whatever sites you're visiting. You're probably visiting sites that actually encourage this stuff. So everywhere you look, you're going to have to deal with it. So in your mind, you start to think like, okay, this is my only choice. <laughs> this must be the only choice. I must get overly medicated to fix these problems. There's no way out. And they feel hopeless. Well, that's, that's right. That's what yeah. Big Farm just got you right there. Yep. Right there. I just don't understand <laughs> the addiction of animal products. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I mean, I understand the kind that that we are fed so many lies. Well, it's addiction. Direction. It's addiction, and then it's reinforced by societal pressure, especially in, with regards to men. 
if you're friends with, let's say, five friends and you guys like to go out to a steakhouse every weekend and then you decide, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And then people go, hey, Mike, where are you going to go to the steakhouse with us? No, I'm eating vegan now. Vegan? Oh, you little bitch. I mean, no one's going to say that to me. So I'm not talking about myself here. No one comes at me like that, period. But other guys who are more, who are in this group structure or hierarchy where maybe they're lower on the totem pole and they're heavily influenced by the other people that are the wannabe alpha males types that like to dominate and point up push people in certain directions that that societal pressure is real. Well, that, yep. so it's, it's basically a social construct because then you feel alienated and you feel like you'll be alone because mm -hmm. you're using this as a social tool this is the way right. you connect with these people that you you know call your friends or call your family and you feel you'll feel ostracized and alone if you don't participate in this with them because at the end of the day humans are tribal by nature and the last thing you want to do is be kicked out of your tribe and then have to either go it alone or try to find a new tribe and start all over because we like things that are familiar and that's another thing that you can point out that we can point out about the addiction to media it's familiar because for the majority yeah. of us we've been eating it since we were able, since we first got teeth and we were able to yep. chew up food and able to chew food. In fact, even before we could chew food, our mothers would chew the food for us, you know, and make it to where it was palatable as a, as a child, as an infant, you know, yes. so therefore you're already addicted to it. And then on top of that, today's quote unquote food is addicted because it is loaded with chemicals and drugs that make that trigger parts of your brain that make you addicted to it. So it's, it's coming from all different angles and why people are addicted to it. And again, Another thing is, hey, food is seen as love by a lot of people. So yes. when someone really cares about you, just like you talk about in Greece, how, you know, everyone gets around and, you know, and they eat and everybody celebrates and they sing and, you know, it becomes a thing where strangers have now become family, you know, yes. all because it's socialized. And that's, and every culture for the, almost every culture other than American culture, you know, my wife's Egyptian and Lebanese and, you know, those dinners are, are very vibrant, you know, at her parents' house, you know, yes. and it's all about, you know, her mom is like, you know, she cooks everything from scratch. It, she feeds everyone because she loves everyone. She goes out of her way. She'll spend her entire day in that kitchen. And she cooks almost every day, you know, wow. so because it's a form of love. So yes. you don't want to lose that love, especially if that meat is being part of that love. You'll feel like, oh, I'm taking away the love. I'm being disrespectful if I don't eat this food, you know, that this person spent all day preparing for me. Because we're trained that way, especially in the black culture. We're like, hey, it's disrespect. They offer you food. You take it. You know, you don't sit there. You don't sit and tell them no. That they worked hard for that. They don't have money just to be giving food away like that. They must really care about you. So don't yeah. be disrespectful. So there's that social construct. There's a lot yeah. of guilt attached to eating Absolutely. meat. The wrong type of guilt. You know, yeah. whereas this real guilt should be like, oh, I am taking the life of this animal who didn't even have a chance to even get a vote in this. You know, yeah. so so there, there's the there's that part of the addiction issue right there. In yes, my absolutely. They have peer pressure. I was in a home in Cyprus and I had never met this person before and um, I was being interviewed and, and we sat and talked and he put out this whole spread of different cheeses. Mm -hmm. And then I, and he was so insulted that I wouldn't eat them. <laughs> and I mean, today he hasn't talked to me. <laughs> it's really it's at, the peer yeah. pressure is very hard. It's very, very I, I, hard. I don't understand it from the other side. Meaning, if I had some people over and they didn't want to eat a particular item, I'm not going to be offended by that. Yeah, eat what you want to eat, and if there isn't anything you want to eat, no big thing. I mean, I get the other side. I get what sincere just said, and I, yeah, because I Indian culture is similar too. People are always putting food in your face. 
And yeah. if, the more you eat, the more of a compliment it is. The less you eat, right. the more insulting it is. So if you say, yes. I don't, if you say I don't want to eat anything, it's like, well, what's wrong with it? You don't, exactly. you don't like my cooking? <laughs> you know? Yes. Well, also in Greece, what they would say is, you can't come to my house and not eat. You're insulting me. Well, it's like, well, that, well, I'll make some stuff I could eat and I'll eat it. I'll, 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 I'll eat up the storm, okay? I'll, I'll bring the buffet. He's like, careful what you wish for. If you make the right thing, you'll be like, oh my God. I, my best you can eat. Yeah, one of my best friends in high school was an Egyptian guy. He was half Egyptian. His mother yeah. was Egyptian. Mother loved me. You know, I got along really well with her. She thought I was such a good influence on him. So anyway, she knew I was on a, at that time I was on a vegetarian diet, not vegan, but she, she prepared food just for me. Oh. And, and I, yeah. you know, so good that I, I mean, I, I didn't leave a crumb down. I mean, I, I came prepared too because I go, oh, she's making a meal. Okay. I'm not, I'm going to skip watch today because I want to enjoy that. And she, she loved me even more because I mean, I blew through all the falafels and all the pita bread and oh, all the best. Uh, yes. The falafel. This, I mean, I blew through all of that stuff, the baklava, the, the whole shit. Yeah. So, so it's, so it's I, I think it's, I think people just need to understand where you're coming from. So yeah. if you're going over to someone's house, just let them know, hey, these are my dietary restrictions. And I'm yeah. not trying to – I don't want you to be offended if I ch- choose not to eat certain things. I'm letting yeah. you know ahead of time this is what I eat. Exactly. And I'll, I'll be happy to eat whatever you provide that falls within my guidelines of what I do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's hard in Greece, I'll tell you. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I mean, if you're not Greek, it's probably easier. If you're Greek, right, it's a little harder. Right, I'll give you but, a pass. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm when I go back again, I'm gonna I'm gonna invite him to dinner and pay for but, it. So. Uh, I remember Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom. Yeah. Where he, where where Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones is in some hut or something, and he's eating these fried insects. Right, he's eating like a bug on a stick and then the lady with him is well you know i can't eat that he's like you have to eat it otherwise they're going to be insulted and they're all watching her her and she's sitting there looking at this stuff like i can't eat this (laughs) i don't know if you've had this experience either one of you but when i talk about veganism which i do all the time because i see people and intel even intelligent people yeah. They understand what I'm saying, but they won't move. They won't change. Well, it's, right. just, it's an addiction. You know? It's an addiction. We're back <laughs> to know. addiction. Yep. Yeah, you know, people always say like, you know, it, they it know they have to, people know they need to work out. They're like, you know what? You always hear like, man, I need to do something about these. I, I need to get rid of these 10 pounds. And you didn't even say anything. It just comes out of nowhere. They know it. They know what they need to do, but it's yeah. all about what they want to do. And yep. what they and like I said, the pain is not great enough for them to want to change. And so yeah. that's what it really comes for any human to really change a habit. They have to feel some pain. They yeah, have to really. They have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like they have to be to the point where they feel like they have no other choice. And the problem is, especially in this country, we have a lot of choices. Yeah. Okay, we have a lot of options. You know, yeah. to, to do wrong. Okay, yeah. to do, yeah. not do stuff that's not optimal. Yeah. So take away those choices. You know, you take away that value menu. You know, you have you don't have something so cheap, and then you raise the prices on all that stuff. And they're like, wait, wait, this is the same price as a Beyond Burger. You know, this Big Mac. So right. then, then what's the difference? Why should I even buy a Big Mac? Because they didn't really necessarily want to eat a Big Mac. It's just that's what fell into their budget at the time. Exactly. You know, so, and so. I've been hearing that Imagine Burgers are selling out like crazy in the Midwest. They can't yeah. keep them in stock. Oh, it's you're like talking about the Impossible Burger? Impossible Burger, yeah. Impossible Burger, yeah. Imagine Burger. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think I may make my a burger and call it the Imagine Burger. Imagine Burger. burger. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give, I'll, I'll give a voice for the animals a royalty for each sale. Exactly. <laughs> you know, 
Well, what really helped uh, what really helped Impossible Burger though was the fact that a first of all it's full of GMO products, therefore it has a bigger campaign. You know, it, it's coming from brought to you by the creators of Factory Farms. Here's yeah. the Impossible Burger, and also oh. they, they had such a big campaign with Burger King. I mean, they were flooding, especially around Super Bowl time. They were flooding ads everywhere, and wow. you know, so that really helped them. So. They had they had pretty much the one thing that Beyond didn't necessarily have, which was the eyes and ears of the masses, because these people were already in these places consuming regular factory farm type products. Mm-hmm. So they already had the market waiting for them. And all they had to do was just sit there and like, hey, here's a healthier alternative than meat, but it tastes just like meat. And Beyond's like, hey, we said that already. Like, yeah, but these people don't know you. People like to go with people who they know and trust. They right. already trust these companies because they grew up on these companies. So they didn't know beyond me. That just seems like some, so that seems like some bougie type food to most people who are like poor or whatever. They say beyond meat or whatever. So they're like, but impossible. That's almost like a challenge. An impossible burger. Huh. I'll show you. <laughs> so I can, <laughs> I can do that. Whereas beyond sounds like it's okay. It sounds like I can't even, it's not even in my realm. It's beyond me. So it's like, oh, <laughs> sounds like I can't afford that. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, it's just all about the market. I think the problem with all the fake meat analogs, the benefit is that it's a good transitional option for people that are used to eating a certain way. Right. The negative is, is that if you load up on too much of that stuff, you're not going to feel good, and then you're yeah. going to think the vegan diet doesn't work, and then you give up. So you got to focus point. on you got to focus on the foods that give you the most micronutrients so that you feel yes. the best, you feel optimized. I mean, look, if I don't have a big dinner of legumes and vegetables and so forth, I don't have a good workout the next day. Right. Even if I had a bunch of food before that because those are the power foods. Those are the right. foods that fuel you, the gladiator type foods. Yeah. So I so legumes, nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables, mushrooms. You you can't and I and I tell people I go, "Look, if you only eat those things, Potatoes are fine too, rice, all that. But you only eat whole food, plant-based diet. It's impossible to be overweight. You can right. lose weight. Now, if you start adding a bunch of processed stuff to it, all bets are off. That's not what I'm right. talking about. But real food, it's impossible to be overweight if you're only eating real healthy food. Because yeah, that density, <laughs> that density will change things up. You're just like, oh, I can't eat anymore, man. Yeah, like, exactly. You can't overeat. You just, it. You just, and bad. on top of that, on top of the density, is like, and another reason why you won't gain weight because, yes, yeah, this is going to be a lot of food, but guess what? It's also on its way out as soon as it goes in. So what? you're going to sit there and cleanse out and take things right. That colon is going to be clean, bro. You're not going to be constipated. You're not going to sit there and talk about, yeah, I poop every five or six days. I'm like, I poop about five or six times a day. Wow. <laughs> That's just crazy. Are you okay? Like, yeah. No, are, I'm, I'm no, are sure. you okay? Because it sounds like you're full of shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, come yeah, on. People, people don't even understand that we have 35-foot colons. If they, look yeah. at real, if they look at real carnivores, like the big cats yeah. or the little cats, they've got seven-foot colons. So that right. means right. the intestines, right. when, when a, a real carnivore takes in an animal, it goes in and out because it's a very short intestine. Ours, yeah. it sits in like it a. It takes a long time. It's a long, slow trip. Yeah, and <laughs> that's like what Leary, produces, you know? <laughs> that produces cancer and all kind of diseases because it's sitting. It's a it's a graveyard. That because you got to think about that food. System. 
you gotta think about that food like an in-law that just comes in they just showed up hey i'm staying with you for a month and it's like wait what and he's like okay well actually i'm just, I'm just gonna stay a couple of days but then next thing you know it's a month later that's pretty much how that's pretty much how that food is inside of our intestines it's like god it's not out yet it's still here that's <laughs> so right. you think about that so again that's like right. i said it's a psychological condition when you put it in perspective like that and people start thinking like ooh. I don't like my in-laws. There's no way I can let them stay for more than 30 days. Okay, I get it. Okay, I, I need to change the way I eat. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. A lot of women approach me and say, how come you're so thin? I said, because I don't eat animals. Oh, no, no, that can't be the reason. <laughs> it's so funny. But if, if women could understand, because women are always more concerned about weight sometimes yeah. than men. If they could understand, that is it. I mean, of course I work out. But that's the bottom line beginning factor is stop putting animal products in your system. You want to be thin. You want to lose those extra pounds. You want to feel better. You don't want to be sick. Stop eating animal products. But they don't believe me. It's just the strangest thing. I said, okay, you don't have to believe me. Watch me. Well, they, 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 they were hoping you would have a different response. Yeah, it's like a cigarette. I'm not talking about Coca-Cola either. They, they want you to say, oh, I stop eating at 7 p.m. and then I sleep at 9 and then I, I go sprinting in the morning. They want to hear that. And I drink like, you know, vitamin water and, you know, and yeah. I smoke cigarettes like once a day. You know, yeah. not a whole pack, just one cigarette a day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, oh, yeah. I, oh I, can, I can get with that. Oh, and drink one glass of wine every night. Oh, now you're talking, girlfriend. Now we're yeah. talking. <laughs> Exactly. I got the exactly. wine part down now. I just need to add three peas and a cigarette now. Yeah, yeah. No, and I tell them, I eat five meals a day. I'm a big eater. I have a fast immune system. I have a fast metabolism. And I'm, I have no problem with energy. Mike knows me for years. Oh, yeah. And, yeah you're the most, most energetic person I know. Oh, so you have to come on this show and sound like you're having a bad day. It's just like, wow. It's like, okay, now I'm energized now. Thanks, Mel. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Mel, Melia's so energized that when she's at a stoplight, she jumps out of the car to rescue pit bulls from a bank. Exactly. That's she has too much, she has too much energy. She has too much energy to just sit there <laughs> and shake her head. Story. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because if women would understand that this is the truth and if they would just take responsibility for what goes in their mouth, they would be much happier and feel better about their bodies. Yeah. With, you know, body shaming is a real issue. It's a problem. But there is a way out. And I mean, I understand some people are big boned and some people won't, you know, be skinny, but they can feel healthier and have more energy and feel better. And you know, you know what I take. Okay, but here's, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Being big boned is not a problem. If you got big bones, that's good. It's, just, yeah. it's, it's all the, it's the big skin that goes on top of the bones. Exactly. What's the It's not your bones that are protruding <laughs> through your stomach. <laughs> you know, the bigger your bones, the denser they are, the healthier you're going to be, but it's the stuff you put on top of that. Okay? That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and what my take also is that I think this just this whole body shaming thing. I actually, and I talked about this in a little video post yesterday. I go, I go, I think it's actually good to feel inadequate. And here's what I mean, because that's how you improve. So yes. if, if I go to the gym and I do a PR and I'm the strongest guy in the gym and people are like, man, you're the strongest guy I've ever seen and blah, 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 blah. You know, how incentivized am I now to keep improving? Uh, right. Huh, but if yes. I go to Mark Phillips' gym, and I pull my PR, and then he comes over and picks it up, and I'm up five times. <laughs> I'm going to be like, well, shit, man, there's a lot of room for growth for me here. Right. And 
So I'm going to take that inadequacy and fuel it to get better. And I don't mean inadequate as in I'm not valuable as a person because I'm weaker than this person. I don't mean that. But I think it's good to see people doing exceptional things because it makes you check yourself and go, well, wait a minute. Why am I not stepping it up when all these other people are stepping up? Why can't I improve? If you're if you're if you're a kid and you're fat and you're overweight and you can't do a push up or touch your toes, you should feel inadequate. Now, we're going to help you. We're going to put you in the right direction. We're going to help you improve, but you should feel inadequate. You shouldn't be okay with that. It's not okay to be right. weak and unhealthy. It's not okay to not have discipline. It's That's not right. okay to not have a purpose-driven life, to be motivated. None of that stuff right. is acceptable. Our bar, our, our standard is so low right now That's where right. it's, well, let's just let people be people. and That's all fine and good, but what the fuck are you trying to do with your life? You know, Why exactly. are you here? What's the purpose? Because and if you then, don't have a purpose, yeah. you're not living. Absolutely. And then what they're saying now is a lot of the people who are getting COVID have like 35% body fat. Jeez. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, my body fat is like 7%. I mean, it's like ridiculously <laughs> low. Yeah. But people don't understand. That's dangerous. And there's no pharmaceuticals that are going to help you there. Yeah, let's forget about aesthetics, okay? Yeah, sure. No one should yeah. be treated badly because they look a certain way. 100% right. agree with that. I would never be rude to anybody for, any, for anything like that. Of course. But at the same time, it's not healthy to be like that. That's so let's, right. Now, maybe it's not healthy for you to look like a swimsuit model in Sports Illustrated either. You know, only a certain right. woman can have a body type like that and be healthy. Right. So that's not necessarily the goal. Right. But the goal is forget about I always tell women when it comes to training, I go, I don't even want to hear about your physique composition goals. We're going to focus on performance. We're going to get you stronger. We're going to get you more flexible. We're going to get you more mobile. Because when those things happen and we're going to improve your diet, everything, the physique composition will take care of itself. Exactly. You know, I, I never focus on physique composition. And I, I'm lean all year round because I focus on performance and I eat clean. There's no way I'm not going to be lean. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's too bad that can't get into the mainstream market. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push it. I'm gonna do a little clip about that. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my little part to get it out there as much as possible. Good, because if women could understand that, that would make such a difference to their self-image and how they would feel about themselves. Right, right. And that's that's a big deal because a lot of women get depressed and then the eating starts and then it continues because they're depressed right. and it becomes a vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah, no and doubt. There's a totally easy way to break it. But you got to take the first step. Yeah, and they have to stop listening to these guys who actually have body images of their own. You talk, <laughs> telling them what they want, like what they like in a woman. It's like, girl, don't even worry about him. He doesn't even like himself. Okay, right. so don't even sit there and, and value what he has to say. It's like, oh, a woman should look like this. Oh, the, you know, a sexy woman looks this way. Oh, this is what the sexiest woman alive looks like. Really? So you've gone through and and you've done a tally. You've looked up all pretty much what seventy percent of the population and seen every woman on the planet and realized this is the one sexiest woman alive. So put putting value in these non-valued opinions. <laughs> you know that, that let them get get these news out of your head. I always tell people, hey, first of all. Don't let people get in your head because the real estate is too high for them to afford to live there. So get them out of there, man. Somebody, you can't afford to live inside my head, man. You, this price is too high. So, you know, get them out. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's something that really has not been addressed. And we see these fad diets and that never work. They don't work. Well, well, the problem is everything we're talking about right now, it's not our, our discussion right now and our, our solutions at this moment, are not multi-billion-trillion-dollar options. 
Whereas the opposite of all these things that cause the issues, the way they're being marketed, it's a million, trillion, billion dollar business. Okay, so there's the problem. Again, it comes down to the money, not the person, not the individual, and not the individual's health, and not the the masses as a whole. Mm -hmm. It comes down to the money. It comes down to the marketing. They're not... they can only market to just a small population of the things that we're talking about. Because at the moment, only a small population is even interested in what we're talking about because the majority is interested in the other stuff because that's all they see. So it's a catch-22. So, yep. again, it comes down to the loot. Where's the loot? Follow the money. Yep. So, and, and it has people have to start thinking for themselves. Ah, there's that. <laughs> that, that individual <laughs> individual responsibility. There it is. <laughs> My favorite drug. That's what I'm addicted to right there. And yeah, that causes the problem. No, no. For such an anti-socialist country, we have a real problem with individual thinking. <laughs> exactly. <Right? laughs> Isn't that amazing? What a contradiction. No, for yeah, yeah, for a country that loves to criticize so much, we hate to have critical thinking. We don't want to criticize our own thinking. We just want to criticize everyone. I, I, I was talking to a, I was talking to a police officer. Right? He's retired, mm-hmm. and he was talking about his pension. And I said, and he's very far to the right. And I'm friendly with this guy, but I like to mess with people on certain political things if I'm in the mood for it. So I go, oh, okay, so you must be pro socialism then. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you're getting paid for nothing. He's like, no. I, I was like, look, I was like, look, man, no one pays me a goddamn thing unless I earn it. Every single dollar I make, I can account for. No one's just sending me money. That's I'm going to work for the rest of my life because I don't expect anyone to give me anything. And then there was nowhere for him to go there because, like, you know, I deserve this and this and that. It's like, well, oh, you deserve like, well, people on some people on welfare say the same thing and you down. Right. So what's the Whoa. difference? And then I said the same thing with the stimulus checks. Everybody was talking yeah. about their stimulus checks. I'm like, yo, you mean welfare checks? They're like, no, exactly. I go, yeah, it is. It's welfare. I go, you're getting paid something for nothing. I go, no one's giving me a goddamn thing right now. No, no okay. one's sending me a stimulus check because I make too much money for it, which I'm very proud to say. And I don't need the government help for anything. And I'm throwing this in their face just because a lot of people talk Republican. They live Democrat. Yes. And there are examples of that. Now, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. But I would be the ideals, some of the ideals of the Republican Party in terms of self-reliance and not relying on the government – People that actually embody those things would respect me more than the people here who think that they're welcome in that party, which they're not. It's like you don't make enough money to be in that party. You're not going to be respected there. That's right. right. Unbelievable, the hypocrisy yeah. that are, that's just never brought to the surface. Yeah, well, I, I, I most people, most people just, in, in, from an intellectual level can't bring it to the surface because like they don't even understand. That's the reason why when you say things like that, just look at just look at the reaction on their faces. That tells you everything you need to know. When they start doing that's the little best. dog head head to the side thing that dogs do, you know, it's like I said, look, dude, even my dog understands what I'm talking about. Why is your head tilted to the side? It's like, come on. Funny thing, when I was talking, when I was talking to this guy. Raina's in front of me, right? My border collie mix. She has these right. big ears. So she's in front of me, and I'm really animated when I talk. And whenever I'm really animated, she's sitting there tilting her head the whole time. It's like, Dad, like, are you okay? <laughs> She's like, she's like, she's like, what are you saying? What are you talking about? <laughs> Somebody, don't feel bad, Raina. You're not the only one. Look at this human. He's doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. We have no, a lot of changes. I, I just don't me. like lack of consistency. You know, the, the, whenever right. I see people that are really inconsistent, yeah. I, I, I find it irritating. So you can talk whatever talk you want to talk, but let's see how consistent you are with your actions. And there's always a disconnect. And then there's always an excuse, too. There's always the rationalization. So in other words, Nobody likes socialism unless they're benefiting from it. Then you have to rationalize why you why it's different in your case. Right. That's right. 
That's exactly right. That's why yeah, oftentimes it just pays to shut up and just just live your life and quit implementing yourself and everybody's, you know, well, it should be this, this, this. Oh, are you doing it? Well, well, see, if you just shut up, we wouldn't even have to, I wouldn't have to ask you that question because <laughs> I could just see what you're doing. So that's the thing. A lot of times just if you actually just be quiet and quit trying to just impose things and, and do say things that you have no true understanding of, things yeah. would be a lot better. Well, in other words, mind you, damn this. Yeah, be a more, yeah, that and be a more empathetic person because <clears throat> yes. Instead that, of coming with the answers, why don't you come with more questions? Instead of like, showing like, well, they this, this, and this, instead of be like, hmm, I wonder why so many of these people are doing this, this, and this. Well, let's start digging. Let's let's try to figure it out. And yeah. then guess what? Now we're going to start finding solutions that can really benefit everyone instead of just having this broad, blanketed statement of why this is that. If yeah. this, then that. I'm like, those type of math problems always sucked. Okay, <laughs> if then problems, they suck. You know, that's why I like ge- that's why I like geometry. Everybody has to pretty much use their own path to come up with an answer to a proof. Okay. But no one can just say, this is just the answer. That's just it. Everybody has their own way of doing it. You have to break it apart. Everything else. If then, then that. Yeah. Shut up, dude. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. <laughs> well, I think people should be more empathetic now, especially people that got stimulus checks. And what I mean by that, right. is, I don't, first of all, I don't mind people getting stimulus checks. I understand it's hard for a lot of people out there. You're out of work and I don't want to see people fall through the cracks. So I'm not anti any of that stuff. I want people to get the help the help that they need now. But when people are taking those stimulus checks and they look down upon people that are getting welfare help, that's, that's an inconsistency there as well, yes. because you're part of that club now. So you should have more empathy. You should be like, you know what? I used to really look down upon people that did this, that and so forth. But now that I'm in trouble, I get it. I'm yeah, a little, I can understand thing. it a little bit more. The biggest that's thing, the biggest welfare queens in this country are our politicians. Yeah, and the okay, no one to my corporations. These are the biggest welfare queens in the United States. Yet you don't get to hear them being criticized, and you don't see anybody trying to take action to to take them to separate them from the welfare they're getting. You know, because you feel like, well, I'm going to vote. Nope, you're still paying. You're still paying taxes. So your vote means nothing. Your vote is actually in your pocket. So if everybody, if 360 million people said, I'm not paying taxes this year, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? You're going to jail 360 million people? Good luck. Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's not going to happen. Right. That's right. <laughs> so quit accepting the abuse and then complaining about it and complaining about the abuser. Like, how dare they abuse me when I let them? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on. That's, that's, that's sort of, to me, it's like all part of it. They're not taking responsibility for their bodies. They're not taking responsibility for their lives. They're not taking responsibility for their actions. They don't take responsibility for their thoughts. It just goes on and on. And so this is what we have. So why should you know? So, so why should these so-called people who are in control? Why should they take any responsibility for anything? Exactly. Why should your problem? It's like, well, it's like they do represent the people, right? So to represent the people, you have to be in touch with them, or you have to do what the people do. So you blend in with them. So hey, you guys don't take responsibility. Why should I? So you can't get upset. You really can't get upset and hold their feet to the fire when your your feet are sitting on their ice cold. That's okay, right. so That's right. you know, so at least I just feel like this. Yeah, there's no absolute to anything, but at least make efforts toward accepting responsibility and doing responsible things. And even when you realize something is irresponsible, make a, a course correction. Like, ah, oh, you know what? That was not the best thing. And at this time, I know I can I can actually do better. That's right. all we ask is do better. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, no one's gonna be perfect. You know, at the end of the day. So don't think that we're just sitting there thinking everybody's like we're 100% perfect and we expect everyone else to be. It's just like do something every day that was better than what you did yesterday. And yeah. so therefore, so therefore you can't vote with your opinion when you haven't made a change yourself at the end of the day. 
Well, I think the problem a lot of people have is this, this, they think they try to look at everyone else's issues from their point of view only. Yeah. And that's why it's extremely difficult to talk to white people about racism because they yeah. keep looking at it from their point of view. They're going, well, you know, here's what I like. I remember Louis Farrakhan was on Phil Donahue and the whole time, especially Donahue, he had this somewhat condescending tone of, you know, you just don't get it, Minister Farrakhan. You know, you need this. Like they, they just want they're like, oh, if I could just get you to see it from this point of view, it would change your look on it. But they're not trying to see it from his point of view. And right. that's the real problem right there. Of when course. you're always looking at it from like I gave this analogy today, I go, John Jones, he's one of, he's the best UFC fighter ever, right? Best MMA fighter pound for pound. That's inarguable. Everybody agrees with that. Now, people often say he's such a screw up in his personal life. He's always drinking too much. He's always partying. They're going, if I were him, this is what I would be doing. Oh, God. You're not him. <laughs> you're not him. <laughs> you're thinking, you're thinking, here's the greatest fighter ever to ever do it. And you're wondering why that person doesn't think more like you. A guy who's just a regular person that no one's going to remember ever. A regular guy, regular job, very unremarkable life. People that are that are exceptional at things, they're not like regular people. Exactly. They don't think like regular people. They don't act like regular people. They're not motivated the same way regular people are. They're a totally different animal. That's right. When you're trying to wonder, when you're wondering why they're not thinking more like you, why would they want to be you? Of course they're not thinking like you. You're not doing anything exceptional. Exactly. How many exactly. levels do they have to take themselves down to get there with you? Like now, this is like, dude. So you want to talk about downgrading. You know, we were talking about that earlier. That's yeah. a serious downgrade. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. That's, that's just a crazy position that I see a lot of people doing now, to people blaming other situations or other people. Right. And it's not – you're not going to change if you do that. And nah. so many people don't want to change. It just it's blows a, my mind. Yeah, instead of blame, I was like, I, I was like, I wonder why. What? How did you? How did that person get there? That's always my question. Like, what led up to that? You know what? You know, I'm always asking why because guess what? The more I ask why, the better I can be to avoid those situations. Because I was right. always that kid. You didn't have to. My parents didn't have to whoop my ass when I was being bad. When my siblings were catching it, I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't know. I, I don't want that to happen to me. Okay. I don't want to get punished like that. I don't want to have the car taken away from me, but from doing that, because I just saw what happened to you and now you're stuck at home and now you're asking me to take you everywhere. And that's already punishment for me because now I'm your chauffeur because you had your keys taken <laughs> from you. So guess what? I'm going to make sure that I don't have to put you in that position. You know what? Would you want somebody to, ride, to drive you around? No, I don't want you going everywhere I go. Okay. Cause my business is my business. So let's start right there. So yeah, that's, I, I always feel like it's always good to ask why. Instead exactly. of trying to tell people why, you know, right. how, how do you know? Right. You don't know that person's story, dude. Come on. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I mean, I, I hear that all the time. It's back to personal responsibility. It's back to educating oneself. It's back to understanding and empathy. And that is what we are severely lacking right now in this country. Yeah. So even, you know, even for a moment when someone is like we were talking about earlier, just dropping their animals off, you know, what what makes you feel like it's just so easy for you? Why is this living this being that you supposedly or saying was family? Why do you feel like they're so disposable? And then it makes me wonder, like, who else in your what humans in your life are that disposable that you claim to care, care about? Exactly. How did you get here? Exactly. Where, did that happen to you, too? Right. You know, it's like, did right. somebody feel like you were that disposable? I, I wonder those questions, but not at that moment, because I'm like, give, give it a dog. Just get out of the way. <laughs> He's better off without you. He's better like off without me. you. Well, <laughs> like, it's interesting because Brenda, 
uh, Barnett, the head of animal services, she's instituted a new policy, which I think is very interesting. When somebody tries to or wants to relinquish an animal, they have a team of people who say, why are you relinquishing the animal? Can we solve the problem so you keep the animal? And right. it's been quite successful because sometimes it's just a matter of, well, I don't understand this behavior. Okay, let's get you a behaviorist. Well, there's this problem with the vet. Okay, let's get you another vet. It can be just such easy, you know, my dog is vomiting. Okay, let's figure out why that's the problem. So, and a lot of lives have been saved that way. And I thought that was such a brilliant thing that she did. And, or training, you know, people have dogs they can't control. Okay, let's get you a trainer. Let's help you understand the situation so you don't have to relinquish the animal. Right. Yeah, I know it's going to be very controversial what I'm about to say for a lot of people, but it's amazing that those those same type of questions that you're just talking about, that you know, women get that when they go to when they're thinking about getting an abortion. You know, because they want to make sure that you know, are you sure this is the choice you want to make? They want to make sure this is the last resort for these women. They ask them all those questions. They want to figure out why they're there. You know, what makes you want to do that? Well, especially, well, I put like this: more pro-life people. You know, want to ask those questions. Yes. You know, so you know, they they want to ask those questions. Now, so I had to let me. I had to rephrase that. I had to rephrase that because you know, there are pro-choice people that could care like, oh, this is your decision. Well, it's your decision. Let's just go, let's get it done. You know, whereas, you know, yeah, they might ask a few questions, but they won't dig deep like that, you know, because they just feel like they, you know, it's just part of the job. They have to ask a few questions. But those that are pro-life, they dig deeper, like, well, why do you feel like you need to give up a child? Why do you feel like, you you know, so they start digging deeper and deeper and look for alternatives. So it's funny that they can do that with a human life. But again, they don't value another living life, you know, another life and and ask the same thing. You know, so. If that woman, if that woman gives birth to that child, nor are they going to help her economically for the rest of the Yeah, there's that part too. There's that part right there. So that's, that's, that's where we always, that's why I'm just kind of looking like in the middle when people are talking pro-life or pro-choice. I'm like, well, (laughs) I said, at the end of the day, isn't being pro-life actually being pro-choice and even being pro-choice is pro-life? You're actually making the choice either way it goes. And you're also at, at whose benefit. So of course, at the end of the day, that's that person's life. Yeah. And so I'm like, are you going to take care of the kids, especially in the black community? I always have to say, especially when I see someone that's not black, you know, screaming about, well, you know, abortion claims, you know, this, this, this. And, this, you know, I can't believe that, you know, they put them in all these black neighborhoods because they're trying to kill black kids. And I'm like, oh. I say, I say, I say, as opposed to what them living and then they're getting you are putting them in the system. And, you know, now you're locking them up and you're building a private prison system because right. you gave, because you value that life so much at birth. But then once they were born, now you've got a product that you can make money off of in a prison system from that school to prison pipeline that you got set up with the education. So guess exactly. what? Both sides are not with clean hands in this situation, pro-life or pro-choice when you, with their arguments. Because, again, again, it comes down to the individual. Do you even know this person's life? You know, do, do you know what's going on? With them? Do you, actually, do you even care? If you don't care, shut up. Just really right. shut up at the same time. So well, but you know, we're the, talking the, about animals. That's a different thing. Yeah. It's a different yeah. thing we talk about animals now, Absolutely. you know, because they don't get a choice in these. They don't get an opinion no. in all. A mother dog does not have a choice to sit there and think about, you know, whether she wants to keep or, you know, or give birth to her puppies yeah. you know, at, the, at the end of the day. Yeah. So. yeah. Yes, that's and they don't have a choice to be abandoned at the shelter. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the person who owns them or and lets them takes them to the shelter and just walks away. And Mike's seen it. I've seen it. Oh, I've seen it a million times. One thing thing about having taken care of an animal is you really find out how authentic your beliefs are, what you find are important to you. Here's what I mean by that. Okay, you're a compassionate person. You want to be a supportive person. 
when I lived in Santa Monica, I had a dog that I was fostering, and then she ended up becoming my dog, Mona. Now, I'm not allowed to have dogs at this apartment complex, so I kept her on the down low for a while. Eventually, the eventually the landlord found out. She started giving me problems and problems and problems. And most people in that situation in L.A. just give up their dog. You know, that, right. that, that was never going to happen. I moved to Mar- I mean, I moved to Marina Del Rey because that's where I found a nice apartment that allowed dogs. Exactly. So, so when I say, hey, I'm committed to her well-being, I'm proving it right there. Exactly. And then exactly. she had brain cancer, which was a $4,000 surgery, Ooh. and the vet was worried that I would say just put her down. I didn't they hesitate to spend 4000 Yeah, exactly. You don't know me. And I, I told her that. Like, what's that guy say? You don't know me, son. You don't know me. <laughs> no, no. So the lady was about, she's, she's like, look, you know, I don't want to stress you out too much, but here's how much it's going to cost. And I could tell she's been in this situation many times, the vet, where she tells the person the bill and then they say, okay, let's just put the dog down. Yeah. And that obviously bothers her. And she was thinking this was going to be another one of those situations. And before she even told me of the cost, I go, look, it doesn't really matter what it is. I'll find, I'll pay for it. You know, either I have the money or I'll get the money, but it's going to be taken care of. And it was $4,000, which is a good amount of money, but that wasn't anything I was con- – that wasn't something that was stressful for me to have to deal with. But some people have the money, but they don't want to spend it. They're like, well, I don't want to spend $4,000 on that. You know, we could, go on, you know we, could go, we could go to Hawaii. We could get you – know, we could go to Yellowstone Park for a month. They start thinking like that because it's just – this is – they don't look at this as a living being that's part of the family. They're looking at this as something that's expendable the way old furniture is or an old car or anything else where it doesn't serve its purpose anymore. You just get rid of it. That's right. And we've had, I remember one dog that was brought into us because the owner gave up the dog because she didn't match the new furniture. Oh, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. But seriously, you know, yeah. Well, all this starts is education. I have been trying to work in the schools for years. I did for a long time, but Humane education is just never funded. And I don't understand this for the life of me. I've been trying to figure this out for 20 years since I've had the organization. It's why don't you understand that we have to teach children compassion, to teach children that these animals are part of their family. Then when they grow up, or even when they're that age, if their parents think differently, they can educate their parents. But as I was talking in that interview with um, in Cyprus with Nikos, people just don't get it. This is the most important thing is to educate children about compassion. Important to educate them about dogs and cats and how to take care of them. Educate them about zoos and that we don't put wild animals in zoos and have people just gawk at them. It's just unbelievable. I know the um, director of the L.A. Zoo had this brilliant idea a few days ago, which I just almost fell over that she wanted to bring kids in for juvenile de- detention centers to look at the animals in the zoo. I'm like, so, really? Out of one you're prison gonna... to observe other prisoners. Like, okay. Right, exactly. Yeah, awesome. You're going to bring in kids <laughs> That's who are brilliant. to see animals who are incarcerated. See? It's okay. Look, we're doing this for their own protection. So that's why we lock you up, for your own protection. We're protecting you from the other animals out there. It's just like them. Because if you were in the wild, you would get destroyed by the animals that are stronger and more vicious than you are. Just like these animals. That's what it comes down to. Yep. I I couldn't even believe it. I reached out to a councilman and said, please, can somebody educate this woman? Yeah, the cognitive. The cognitive dissonance is real. Okay. It is. It is. It really is on all levels. And, <laughs> you know, I've been fighting a long time to uh, to get Billy the elephant out of the L.A. Zoo before he dies. Ugh. 
still uh, there. That's yeah. terrible. That is terrible that he's even still there because the last time yep. you were on, you were talking about yeah. Billy, and that was a couple That's of years right. ago. That's right. And we, um, without going into detail, we have more information now about the fact that he's not doing well. Mm. And the zoo, of course, and the zoo community refused to admit that. So I, I'm just not going into detail because I want to make sure that I do the best for Billy. But it's a rough, I mean, the idea that people have in their minds about zoos is it's like Disneyland. People have said to me, And the oh, circus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the circus. Well, thank God, Ringling Brothers is, you know, the circuses are going out. Yeah, it's just good. animal-based circuses. Thank goodness for the human-based circuses. The Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, Cirque du Soleil and other animal-based circuses are going. There, Most of Europe now, it's illegal to have animal-based circuses. Um, the other thing that's very interesting, I believe in Germany, this guy has invented a, um, I forgot what it's called, but it's sort of uh, some kind of visual circus that doesn't involve animals. And it's incredible. It's just incredible. Um, I just was blown away watching it. And no animals. And it's illegal. I, it, I know it's illegal in Greece. And I believe it's illegal in other parts of the EU. And even in this country now, less and less and less circuses, animal-based circuses, are touring. And, and people are more educated about circuses. But not about zoos. They still don't get it. They don't well, get the fact that what we have to do, if we as our species, think of selfishness. If we mm-hmm. want to survive, start protecting the animals in their habitat. Don't pull them out. Do what's necessary to make sure they're okay. And it's not that hard. But people say to me, oh, people wouldn't work in zoos if they didn't love animals. Really? (laughs) People work in zoos because they need a job at this point. Okay. (laughs) And and, and they actually want to be around animals. But guess, if those animals weren't in a cage and they were just roaming around free, people wouldn't work in zoos. (laughs) So it would change really quickly, you know. Let that boa constrictor just go around freely like that, you know, or let that lion just walk around. Guess who would not be working in zoos? People. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Sigrid and Roy might be there, but yeah. (laughs) And some of those people who work in the zoos, they do love the animals. They do take care of them. It's the upper echelon. It's the upper echelon that's the problem. The American Zoological Association and all the upper echelon of zoos that are holding it in place. And they do not tell the truth. They lie to us continuously. Right. And we, you know, since we don't know, I just heard... I, I, what zoo is it? I forgot because I erased it from my mind. It was so disgusting. They're about to pay, what is it, $2 million to bring in two elephants oh. to a zoo? I mean, are you kidding me? We're in the middle of a pandemic, number one. Well, that was, right. my, next, that was right. my next point I was about to say. Well, you would think now, with two things increasing right now, we have this pandemic, and right before that and during this, we have the, 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 the increase of virtual reality. So at that point, with, with those two things now, there's really no need to have physical zoos with physical animals there anymore. When you can just throw on some virtual reality glasses and you can feel like you're right there actually in the wild, you know, out in the, in the rainforest or in Africa right then and there. And then you can feel the reality. In fact, you can actually now feel like you're actually petting, you know, a wild tiger or whatever, something you can't do in a zoo. Okay, okay. so it just makes more sense. And guess what? You also see, here's one thing, you got to get in their head, Melia. you got to say the things that they love. Also, this is going to cut down on overhead, okay, by doing this. It's a lot more affordable. You're going to make a lot more money by doing that, by doing it virtually, 
and doing it that way instead of actually having to worry about taking care of the Well, what about the animals they already have or whatever? Sanctuaries, man, at this point. Okay, that's, that's what sanctuaries right. are for. Because sanctuaries are not set up for you to come and let your kids and you ogle at them because you have a day off this week and you want to take the kids there and just stare at these animals who are miserable because they don't want to stare at you. Okay, so, 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 yeah. So there's, so let's answer that question as soon as someone's going to ask that. Well, then people are going to lose their jobs. Go find another one. Go do something else. Right. (laughs) Go do something else. Once you set up virtual reality parties, zoo parties, okay, (laughs) there you go. You can sit there and have these big events just like they have these club parties where there's no music. Everybody just puts on headphones. You know, therefore you don't, people on the outside don't hear the music. So guess what? You can do the same thing with these zoos, these virtual zoos. You can set up these, Big parties for that. For kids, you can set that up for these kids. Come to classrooms and set that up. Don't give me that excuse. As long as there's the internet, you've got choices. Don't even talk about the jobs. You know, you're just not being, you're lazy. Absolutely. And and, you know, the the biggest moneymaker in the history of the LA Zoo was when they did a robotics exhibit on dinosaurs. And I guarantee none of those kids have ever seen a live dinosaur. <laughs> they made a well, now, well, now, well now, now with Oculus goggles and virtual reality tools, like Sincere said, you can. I have an Oculus, and you can go on a safari in it, right? Where you right. look up, you look down, you look, you can turn all the way around, and you're seeing a view. As I mean, you really feel like you're almost there. And I've done safaris before, so I know. save $5,000 just by doing that. Now, now, is it as nice as being there? Of course not, but it's real, it's, it's cool. And and, and as a kid, I would have been blown away to be able to use something like that. So there's, there's so much technology out there that we don't need to experiment on animals anymore. We don't need to have animals in zoos. We, we have way more sophisticated technology to use. Just like prostate exams. We have a DEXA scan now. So you don't have to have your doctor stick his index finger in your behind anymore. That's antiquated. Oh, man. If you're into that type of thing, I'm not judging. Yeah. You know, I'm just yeah, some people look forward to that. That's okay. So, That's your thing. They're you like, know. my insurance covers this? Hell yeah. Next to scan, basically, you, you go into a pod, and it scans every organ in your body and lets you know the health of each individual organ. Right. So it's, so it's, it's not ubiquitous yet. It should be, but it, it will be at some point. It so what be. I'm saying is that – with all the technological advancements that we all enjoy, why are we still doing these antiquated things? Well, it's the same yeah. thing because we're habituated and we're used to them and because exactly. many yeah. money money is still following antiquated ideas. Yeah, that's and right. That's, and there's no education yeah. in zoos. I mean, I, I brought a bunch of kids to the L.A. Zoo and we did a video. There's absolutely just no looking. education that takes place. <laughs> They just look and walk, look and walk. So it's no different than them just sitting on their phone and scrolling up, scrolling up. You get about right, the same right, type right. of you know interaction. You get the and, same and type and of attention. On top of that, <laughs> we actually did it with with my students. We actually looked at the amount of time that a kid would stand in front of an exhibit, as opposed to how much time they spent at the concession stands. <laughs> so, right. So it was less than two minutes in front of an animal. More than six minutes at a concession stand. Hmm. And that's what that animal is losing their freedom and their lives for. Right. It's like chills fries over me, buddy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, oh. it's just it's it's a lot of our thinking today on so many levels having to do with animals is just so antiquated. Well, and if we if we as a species want to continue, we better start rethinking that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because if we think that we're going to stay here and they're going to leave, right? Ha! We got right. another thing coming. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. People need to think about that as a 
as a inevitable end game if we don't change course. What do that's you think right. is going? What do you think life on this planet is going to be like when there's not a fish in the ocean? That's right. When there's not an animal in the wild. That's right. It's an episode. It's going to be real life Snowpiercer. You're going to be sitting at the back of the yeah. train eating that, that block of brown crap, and that's the only way you're going to survive for the most part because all the real things are gone now. Well, the, co- the, co- the, the cockroaches and insects will survive all of us. Oh, yeah, because they, uh, yeah, they, they have. Because yeah. they have. They walk around like, hey, we got this. I don't know what you humans are going to do. <laughs> we survived nuclear holocaust, dude, and yet here you are. It was the same same idea when I invented the Working Cats program. I thought I was down at the flower mart one day, and I was talking to this guy, and he was coughing. And I said, "What's the matter?" And he said, "Oh my God, they sprayed this exterminating poison, and it kills my lungs." I went, "What? Why do they do that?" He said, "Because there's rats." I said, "Oh, I didn't even know you had rats, but okay. So, but does it work?" He said, "No, it doesn't work. It just makes us sick." And I thought, "Okay, this is really stupid. This is really stupid." And then, and then I on, you know what works? Like, what works is a hungry cat. Okay, well, <laughs> that's the nature the cats, of things. The cats don't even eat the rats. Exactly. They just smell them. But I then went online. I started thinking, in the Middle Ages, when they had the plague, it was because the Inquisition killed the cats because they were associated with the witches. Oh. And when they killed all the cats, all the rats came up, and the bubonic plague came. So I thought, wait a minute, what if we reverse that? We had if we put in cats where there are rodents. So I did. And it worked fantastically. And it's actually the smell, the to- a smell of yeah. the top-line predator that gets rid of the rodents. Yeah, because they, really they don't want those there problems. Was, <laughs> yeah, there was, a, there was a sort of side, side benefit. The first um, place I put in the working cats was um, uh, with Scott uh, Yamabe, which is the uh, Los Angeles farmer. And I went to Scott and I said, um, how long have you been using exterminating poison? He said, since 1901. <laughs> I said, is it working? He said, no. <laughs> I said, well, I didn't have enough time to realize that it's not working. He said, yes, but what do I do? I said, I said I'll, I'll make a deal with you. I'll bring in three feral cats, and you feed them, keep fresh water and fresh food every day, and if it doesn't work in three water uh, months, I'll take them back. And he said, but I don't like cats. I said, that's just not the point. He said, okay. Well, not only did it work fantastically, and he was blown away, but this guy became such a cat lover, he started adopting cats. Hmm. So it really, it was just an amazing experience. The first day we were there that I let the first cat out, it was a big, gray cat, and we um, we let him out of his cage, and he raced down the loading dock and, and chased this rat right off the loading dock, and he came back. <laughs> we were all watching him. We were applauding him. He came back, and he was strutting his stuff, and so we called him Attitude. <laughs> <laughs> and it's every place we have put working cats has worked, every single – and that's why it's now used all over the country. But that was a – it was a change of perception. Right. We don't have to kill feral cats. They have a place. They have a use. We can definitely put them to work. And did you did you out. did you get did you get any flag from the vegan police because rats are being killed? No, <laughs> no. the rats were not like, killed. Okay, so what yeah. happened? Then? So, oh, the, oh, the cats just keep them away. They don't want yeah, to kill them. Right. Yeah, because the rats smell yeah. them and they're like, oh, I'm out of here. I'm okay, not exactly. With that. Got it. Got exactly. It. Got they got it. leave, okay. and what happens is their population declines because a they don't have a food source. And B, they don't uh, they don't populate as much. Right. And that's when the vegans come in, like, see, yeah, look yeah, at exactly. you're, now you're starving yeah. them and, and you're sex starving them. I'm like, oh my yeah. god. Yeah. 
I wish someone would starve you and sex starve you so you can start producing people like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I'm very thrilled that more and more groups across the country are saving the lives of feral cats because that was the one population that I always saw as a rescuer that we didn't know what to do with. What do you do with feral cats? They're automatically right. killed. Of course, how do you know a cat is feral? Well, you don't. So the cat comes in the shelter. <laughs> the cat's terrified. The cat's hissing. I'd hiss yeah. in a shelter. I know I'm going to be killed. So right. the cat hisses. They deem the cat feral, and they kill the cat. Well, here's a question. Here's a question because me being here in Texas, and this is such, they make this such a big issue here. What about feral pigs? Because, you know, there's a lot of hunts now just because they're saying that, you know, the pigs, they're, they're destroying property or they're, they're attacking people and attacking other animals. And so there's a quote unquote feral pig problem in Texas, especially Southeast Texas. Like, I wonder what, what is the alternative for that? Have they have thought, thought of finding ways to spay and neuter them? And I'm talking about shots. I'm talking about pills in their food. These, have they, bring down the population. They're about a, they're like probably millions strong. They're 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 a lot. It's a lot of them. It's it's like it's 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 pretty much out of hand at this point. Even even by them doing hog hunts, I'm like you're not going to be able to shoot all of them. Okay, and, and they produce so quickly. So it's just like it's 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 a, it's a quote Mike. It's a war of attrition. You're not going to win this war. So basically, right. using, you're just using it as an excuse to kill pigs at this yeah. point because That's there's just cool. no way this is a viable solution at right. this point. Right. You know, well, it's like, so. it's like the coyotes out here in Vegas, right? Sometimes I, mean, I don't think it's happened recently, but there have been, there have been not people organized hunts, but state official hunts yeah. to keep the coyote population within a certain parameter. But the problem is, is that coyotes just, they just ramp up procreation. <laughs> right. And so yeah, you're right exactly. back to, yeah, so you're right back to where you started. In fact, when they're howling at night, they're doing a roll call, seeing how many of them are out there. Right. Exactly. If the numbers are low, they're like, okay, unless we need to procreate more, get the numbers back up. Now, the thing about coyotes is this. They don't bother you. I see coyotes every night when I'm walking my dogs. Now, do you have to be cautious? Of course you do. I don't have my dogs off leash at night because there's coyotes around. I don't want them to go running after coyotes or vice versa. If you have a small dog, you probably shouldn't be out at night. You definitely right. don't leave your dog out in the backyard. But if you have your dog on leash near you, the coyotes are not that bold. They're not going to run up to you and snag your dog out of your hand and take off. They're looking for an opportunity. Your dog is 15, 20 feet away from you, and you're looking at your phone not paying attention. Right. And they're fast going, this is a lot easier to catch than a rabbit because that's what they're hunting out here are rabbits. There's yeah. hundreds of thousands of rabbits out here, so the coyotes have plenty of things to go after. They're only going to go after your dog or cat if there's an opportunity. And it's for you to make sure that there isn't an opportunity. And then there isn't a problem. Right. That's exactly right. But people don't want to, again, take responsibility. We're back to that. They don't want to do that. They'd rather blame the animal than take responsibility for us as guardians of the planet. It reminds me of my dad, because my dad's the ultimate at not taking responsibility for stuff. One time we were in this camper in, in Montana, right? He, and he was the only one standing. The rest of us are sitting. He opens up the counter. You know, he opens up the cabinet, and all this stuff starts falling out. And he goes, oh, shit, who's dropping things? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Take a wild guess, MF, who's dropping things. <laughs> now, all of us are sitting right here. You're the only one standing opening the cabinet. And his immediate response is to yeah. blame someone else. <laughs> yep. That's our species. That's our species. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, that's – um. This is this is all the issues that us as a species have to deal with. Right. And there must 
there are solutions if we choose to recognize them and implement them. Right. How do we recognize them? They're out there. Anybody can find a solution to anything. Right. It doesn't take that much. How do we implement them? Unless we take responsibility and stop being lazy, we can't. And that's a hard... Well, it, it's really true, too, when you talk to an adult in his or her 50s, and they still don't know how to eat healthy. Right. It's like, why don't you know how to... And don't tell me it's because the TV tells you about drugs and you're watching this. You don't have to watch any of that stuff. I haven't seen a... Com- the only time I ever see commercials is when we go stay in a hotel room and I'm flipping through the TV. At home, it's Roku. I just watch what I want to watch. I'm not sitting around watching commercials. Yes. Now... Also, if you just read one decent book on nutrition and you follow that for the rest of your life, that's going to do better than 99% of people out there. So where I'm going is you're an adult. You should know how to eat healthy. Why don't you know how to eat healthy as an adult? Why don't you understand the importance of physical fitness as an adult, of bettering yourself, of taking charge of your life? Now, these are not things that anyone should even have to come along and tell you about. They should be innate desires you have. And the fact that they're not, that's a big sign of a much larger problem. Yes. Yes. I, I think, again, I think these, this needs to be taught in schools. Yeah. I, what I was doing when I was teaching is I was bringing um, vegan cookies, vegan sweets, because kids love sweets. So do I. Uh, and I would bring them in. <laughs> I would bring them in and kids, oh my God, this is, has no animal product? Yes, what's delicious? Right. Well, why did you think vegan sweets or anything vegan isn't delicious? So that stereotype has to be broken. Right. That you're not giving up anything to be a vegan. It's nothing you're giving up. In fact, just the opposite. Well, we get a lot of bad advice that keeps getting passed down on multiple arenas. Every arena you can imagine, the fitness industry, medical industry, Men get a lot of advice, bad advice on how to talk to women, and that just get, keeps getting passed down, you know, just moronic things. Yep. So it's, we, have, we have to break that cycle of bad information that just keeps yes. getting promulgated, that just keeps getting disseminated. And that's why I think when you have a dissenting point, it's important to put that out there in whatever yes. medium you choose because people yes. need to hear that. They need, you, bring, can, you can break and, stereotypes with your personal example. Yeah, and, and then – it, when you bring facts, bring receipts, because then no one can say anything. They can't even yeah, but after that. Yeah, but, uh, excuse me, here's the here's here's receipt. Here's a study. Here, here's the facts. Here's the, here's the well, I, and then, they, then you'll see they get emotional. And then that's, then you have the answer that you were looking for. These people are attached. They are, they, there's an emotional de- attachment to this thing. It's not logical at this point. Then you got to ask yourself now. Okay, how much further do you want to go with this at this point? Because yep. you already see this person is kind of a lost cause. Okay. You know, they're 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 addicted to it at this point. So the, that's why the best thing you can do a lot of times is just be the example. And let you know, then when these yeah. people are ready, they'll come. You're like, hey man, I, I noticed this, this, and this. So kind of like what Mike is like what he was doing with the toxic masculinity. Even just putting that video out there, that's why I made sure to share it. There's gonna be somebody out there with still an ounce of intelligence that's gonna start questioning them. So like, you know, what he's saying does make sense. Maybe I need to kind of rethink what I'm saying when it comes to masculinity or maybe I need to stop doing certain things or whatever, because, you know, they, a lot of times people are on autopilot. They're not actually in the moment realizing they're doing the things they're doing because they've always done those things. It has become like breathing. No one actually sits there and thinks about how many breaths they're taking in this minute. You know, they just know that, hey, it's something I have to do. And now I've realized that a long time ago and I do it. And the only time they really think about their breathing is when they can't catch their breath. 
then they really, then they really appreciate like breathing at that point. But otherwise, well, they're not thinking about it. So they're on autopilot. So the thing is, when you've got these things that are not optimal to life and these bad habits and you know things things like that, you're not really thinking about them until they do something that that makes you have to wake up, and you, they 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 kind of go above and beyond what they've been doing to you, and then you look like, wait a minute. So when you get to that point where you know, you, you're being told how to talk to women and you're this player and you try to be so smooth and you see these corny jokes and you know, he's like, oh, you know, to my, uh, yeah, girl, to my, I hope you're wearing a parachute because you must have fell from heaven, you know, into my lounge. Shut up. <laughs> so my, first of all, if, so my, put yourself in those shoes. Would you sleep with yourself if you heard yourself say what you just said? No, you would not. Okay. So, you know, you know, I mean, I always tell young guys, I'm like, look, be a cool guy. Be a cool be, guy. Be a respectful guy. And you're going to attract someone that appreciates those things. If you have attentive. to be a jerk, don't make it about you, first yeah, of all. Don't make it about you. Not, I mean, if you have to be a jerk or you have to be, you're taking all this bad advice or they like bad guys, they like bad boys and all that. Okay, fine. Is that you? If that's you, then just be that person. But that's not most guys. So it's very contrived. And you putting on this fake this this fake persona i always say that like the example to me of a consummate gentleman is the actor ricardo montalban he died a couple years back remember him melia fantasy oh, island yeah. Yeah. okay very suave gentleman you watch that guy in any interview he's he's extremely polite and carries himself so well now i'm not saying we should all go out there and act like that you know but but the energy of that is useful to look at because i i like seeing people who carry themselves really well both men and women i like seeing people that are that that just walk with confidence and are respectful and they're nice to people you know those are all very desirable qualities so i think that's what people should focus on embodying absolutely be yourself be respectful be share the most positive aspects right and my thing is, find out who, and if you don't know who that is, find out who you are. That's why sometimes you, you need to separate yourself from your tribe because otherwise you start taking on a persona of other people. You become this chameleon. So you right. don't know who you are. So my thing is sit in silence, sit alone sometimes where it's just quiet. Sit alone with your thoughts. And if you start thinking things that start to disturb you, then perfect. You're in the right place because now you need to figure out why is it that you're so uncomfortable being alone in, in silence? Why? Exactly. So you got to understand what is going exactly. on with these things. So, most likely it's because most of those voices you're hearing in your head and all those things that make you uncomfortable, those are not you. It has nothing to do with you. And they're getting pissed off because now that you're thinking about them, you're considering getting rid of them, and that's pissing them off because they're, they're not going to have a home now. Those thoughts are going to have to go somewhere. So so my thing is sit alone. Be silent, man. Just sit there and take things in and make a practice of that, whether it's one minute a day, then bump it up to five, ten, an hour. You know, take some time to be with yourself because that's the only way you're going to – until you understand yourself, you're not going to love yourself. If you don't love yourself, dude, guess what? You're going to suck when it comes to other people and other that's living right. beings. You know, so you you got to at first have compassion with yourself, and most people don't. Most Absolutely. people don't because they don't no. know who they are. You can't have – you don't – you're not familiar with something, so it's just like if you sit there and tell me, like, you know what, you should be, you should be very empathetic when it comes to, you know, the Mandarin language. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, dude, that's just weird. I don't know anything about Mandarin. It's like I don't want to know anything about Mandarin. <laughs> you know, this one, but I can be empathetic to those who speak Mandarin. You know, so, you know, so that's that's what most people have to do. They have to actually understand what it is they need to be empathetic toward, and most people, they're not even empathetic toward themselves because yeah. again, they don't know who that self is. You know, yeah. so I, well, I, th I think I think that's a huge component of the larger problem. I mentioned what you said right there, that lack of knowing yourself and lack of empathy and compassion for yourself. If you don't even have that, why would you have it for anyone else? Exactly. That's right. That's right. I think a lot of people are afraid of silence. 
Yes, <laughs> because that silence is not really silent for most people. It's yeah. a lot of noise going on, and that's, that's why people right. love distractions. They love that noise. They've become comfortable with the noise because, therefore, as soon as the noise stops, they think something's gone wrong. It's like, oh, am I am I dead? I'm like, dude, you can only be so lucky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so trust me, with all the stuff that's going on and you don't understand it, like actually death would be doing you a favor to escape a lot of this stuff. But I th- I you're think, not dead. You know, start living. Well, I think <laughs> as a society, we're encouraged to not feel anything. You're sad, take a depression. I mean, you're sad, take a medication. You're depressed, exactly. take this. Now, the problem is, is that sadness is part of the human experience. It's unavoidable. Right. And yes. it can make, it's not only is it unavoidable, it's important to experience it because it, it makes you a better person. I mean, Rumi has that whole quote about sadness just is, is like a cleansing deal. It just yes. clears all of, it clears all the terrain out of you so that new experiences can come, new growth can come from it. Yeah. So exactly. it's a natural response to something. So when, so when, when you're sad because a loved one died or you're sad for another reason, you have to, you have to embrace that sadness. You have to feel it fully. Because that, that's going to make you a better person. Now, if you just medicate yourself so you numb yourself out of it, you're just delaying, delaying the inevitable. Delaying the inevitable. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So, and that's why when I see these, <laughs> these social media accounts and you see people posting, you know, good vibes only, I'm like, good luck with that. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, here's what? what's going to, here's the problem with that. If come on, oh, come on, yeah, you just want good vibes only. Well, first of all, that means no one's coming to your page because <laughs> it, everybody's got issues. Okay. Now, what's going to end up happening just because you're already in denial, you're going to end up being by yourself. So, okay. So basically you first. When you say stuff like that, like, all right, you make the first move. You just, somebody, can you honestly by yourself have good vibes only? Cause obviously you can't because you just told everyone else who you haven't even met yet. Oh, you know, basically don't come on my page without good vibes. You know, now I'm not saying come to someone's page and being disrespectful. You know, that's enough. That's one thing, <clears throat> but just sit there and tell people like, Hey, you know, no matter how you're feeling, when you come to my page, you need to feel, you need to feel good. You know, I don't even care if you even, you know, you connect with me or if you even send a message or a post. Just make sure you feel good because if you're feeling any type of negativity, you feel like anything, any disruption in your life, I'm pretty sure that's going to affect my page and then I'm going to feel it and I don't want to feel that way. Like you, my friend, are an idiot. Okay, so guess what? You don't have to worry about me. They're already in pain. Exactly. Right, just, right. just the fact you have to say that it already shows that you have, I mean, you lack the good vibes that you're looking for. Right. So, um, exactly. My thing is I, I encourage intelligence because, hey, <laughs> I tend to like to use that. I'm kind of addicted to the critical thinking and intelligence thing. So my thing, but I also know not everyone's going to have it. So I'm not going to sit and say this page is for my, my page is only for intelligent people. I know better. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't think you have to say, I think the fact that someone I have to say this. It's like you said about the yeah. alpha male thing you yeah. were talking about. Because like I, mean, I, I don't say this is what my page is for. I just no, put out, I just, I mean, I just, yeah, exactly. I just do my thing. I just talk about what I want to talk about. And if people like it, great. If they don't, you can keep it moving. But I, I don't think about what other people want or what they want me to talk about. I think about what I want to talk about because I've got plenty of things I want to talk about. And that's right. always been my business model is, my my dad would always be like, hey, you know, what ab- what about this market? What about that market? What about tagging this? I go, look, I don't care about any of those things. Right. So c- are are they possible money makers? Sure, but I don't care about it. So I'm not going to last long enough to see that through fruition. I have to actually care and be excited about whatever I'm talking about. You know, I, I can't get up in front of a group and talk about my favorite restaurant. You know, I'm not passionate enough about my favorite restaurant to talk 30 minutes about it, all right? right? I need to have something that's a little bit more engaging. My favorite restaurant, I'd be like, yeah, I love the uh, I love the spicy eggplant and brown rice. And that's it. That's my speech. <laughs> that's it. 
Questions? Anybody got questions? I'm taking I like questions. I fried tofu on top of that too. It's like any other questions? <laughs> okay, I'll keep going. All right. <laughs> no, so it's yeah. So anyway, I don't even know where I was going with that. That's, I, don't, I don't think I had anywhere to go with that. <laughs> well, no, we, Melly, no, go ahead, Melia. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to leave only because I have a two o'clock. No, I was going to say you've yeah. been up for two hours. So I wanted exactly. to let you go anyway. So we appreciate it all the time. It's always great catching up with you. You're. Oh, you're, I love you guys. I love it. No, you're a very motivating, inspiring person. I mean, your your sure. energy is contagious. You're super energetic. So, I mean, you're just a, an asset to not just animals, but everybody, to people, society. So it's just a pleasure to have you on and, you, and talk guys. to you. Where, where can people find out more? I'm going to go make a donation right after we Thank get off you. this call, help you guys out. But where can people go to make a donation and find out more about all the great work you do? Uh, VFTAfoundation.org on our homepage. Everything is right there. And all the information about the bill we're trying to pass is there. And everything about our programs is there. They can see everything about us. Awesome. Yeah, I actually, I, I just shared it on Instagram about the bill as well. It's called, I just saw it in my timeline. It just popped Thank up, you. So, Thank yeah. you, Sincere. That's yeah, I'll do the same. I'll Thank do the same thing for sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, hell, Mel, Mel, yeah, keep up the great work. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. You guys, too. It's great to talk to both of you. Awesome. All right. Take care. Talk to you soon. Take care. Take care. Bye. 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 That wraps up this week's Live Life Aggressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Aggressively show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media on Facebook as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.